technology i really am hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the no spots weekly wrestling podcast this is episode 221 i am your host dc's people's champ i am joined as always by my tag team partner to my left your right if you are watching us live on twitch he is none other than the dark sith lord himself coming to us from the regular basement sif hello yes welcome everyone to the regular basement thanks for all followers chatters lurkers subscribers people listening to us on our audio platforms people finding us for the first time a warm welcome to you all i gotta say this off the bat i watched last voyage of the demeter last night and well it wasn't terrible it wasn't great but a lot like a lot of the other movies i've seen this year it's a case of just being there in the middle. Champ, what's good in the people's studios in the NBA? Good side. Uh, watch the Commanders uh, squeak out a victory over Atlanta in Atlanta. Not a bad game. I'll be talking about it on Sports on the Hill tomorrow night or Monday night, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, but other than that, just another lazy day, another lazy weekend here here and there. So uh, we're going to get right into it. We're not going to have no long intro because we've already lost a lot of time. So uh, if, you were on, if you were watching us earlier, we were having some technical issues uh, because right before we went on the air, we were going to go live. Uh, my browser started freezing up like constantly. And I knew I said, I got to restart my laptop. Otherwise, this is going to become a problem. And it's going to mess things up during the, the podcast. So I restart my laptop. I go in. I reopen the uh, windows, the browser window for Chrome. And it was going to, it let me into the studio to uh, what we use here for stream, uh, to stream, which is StreamYard. And it only gave me one layout, which was solo. And so it wasn't loading any other layouts, nothing like that. And I saw the error message, but I didn't know what it meant until I looked and saw it was only one the option we had to, for layouts and i was like well i can't do that with the stream so we were already started so I had to, in that stream make a new studio to send the sift so we can get uh, everything set up perfectly and fine so here we are we are now up and running all right in news and notes first and foremost uh mr mcmahon is now like there's a reason that now our worst fears are no longer realized as he is no longer are going to be involved in creative and a new report shed some light on why that he talk about that also we are going to talk about a, a former new japan star who officially confirmed that they are all elite we will also talk about the contract status of someone who was recently made their debut on wwe tv we'll tell you about that we will also tell you about uh that remember that racial discrimination lawsuit from a former writer 
Well, there's been another update on that one, and this one probably won't surprise you at all. And then finally, a former NXT UK and NXT tag team have officially left the WWE, confirmed by them themselves, along with a video on what their future plans might be. So that is upcoming on the News and Notes. Our New Japan recap will look back on last Monday's Destruction of Real Goku uh, uh, show, which saw Evil and Sonata go at it for the IWGP World Title in the main event. We'll talk about all of that. Uh, we won't talk about Royal Quest because I have yet to watch it. I want to watch it before I even talk about it. So once I get a chance to watch it, then I will talk about it. We'll most likely talk about it later this week when we have a special bonus pod where we will re we will preview uh, bound for glory which is coming up this coming weekend so that'll be our new japan recap we will have a recap of last weekend's fast lane pay-per-view which uh which had the six matches which saw a surprising title change which we will get into yeah. uh so we have that going on and everything and then of course i will be riding i will be driving the bus that is the week in review and then we will have our final thoughts so without any further Further ado, referee, you know what to do. Ring the bell. All right, news and notes. And we begin by talking about what we just said about the the, the executive chairman of WWE, Mr. McMahon. This McMahon has been pushed basically. He has backed away from having any involvement in the creative process moving forward. And there's a reason why that is, even after the reports that said that he was heavily involved in it after WrestleMania and somewhat involved in it in the months uh, after that. But now he is completely persona non grata when it comes to the creative process. And a report from Sports Illustrated states the, what's the, the process is now with creative going forward. And it is that... Paul Levesque, aka Triple H, is completely in charge of of create of creative for WWE uh, in the wake of their merging with USC to form the TKO Group Holdings uh, Company uh, after the sale with Endeavor. Uh, according to that report, Ari Emanuel, who is Endeavor's CEO, was the person who was behind the change, as he has the belief that everyone in the company should focus on the jobs they've been assigned. Meaning that McMahon is who is the current executive chairman. Uh, uh, on the board should be on his may have his main focus on the oversight of the media rights negotiations and what that triple H as the chief content officer for WWE should be, uh, be able to spearhead the creative direction of both raw and SmackDown. So basically Ari Emanuel said, listen, Vince, you're the executive chairman. Your job is to make sure we get the right so uh, media deals and stuff like that. You don't worry about creative. You're not doing that anymore. That's that's Triple H. That's your son-in-law's job. Let him do his job. And you, son-in-law, you do your job. And don't let and don't let the old man interfere. He's not going to interfere anymore. Basically, Ari Emanuel, now that he is, has some some you know some say over. Because because they have the majority state uh, stake in the company, TKO Holders. Emmanuel basically told this man, "Go do your job and let him do his job." Damn it, Sith. How do you feel about this update that this man basically had to be told to back off a of creative? As Whitney and I would attest to, God rest her soul. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Vince, it's sad that you decided to die on that hill, kid. 
but you got put in check by someone who's actually your boss. Yeah, life sucks. Go do your fucking job. Let Triple H do what he needs to do. He's got people under him that are going to do what's best for business. If you look at the last couple of weeks where it comes to Raw SmackDown, the product is a little bit more cohesive. There's some things that need to be tinkered here and there, but overall, it's a more cohesive product overall. And you're starting to see body chemistry-wise from the people that are backstage and the talent that comes out, you're starting to see that they've got good vibes again. And it's because shit's not changing at the 11th hour. Champ, I fucking love it. Your take? So also, other as part of the report from Sports Illustrated, uh, that Vince McMahon does have an ironclad contract, which financially protects him from um, from stuff. But there are no other clauses in said agreement that says that he can run the company however he sees fit, and that the final say over all matters between either WWE or UFC are fall under uh, Ari Emanuel, who is the CEO of the uh, of everything. So basically. It's it truly when the when the sale for Endeavor uh, was finalized, it truly was the end of an era, and that the that the WWE is not run by a McMahon, it is run by an by someone named Ari Emanuel. Even though um, Nick Khan is the uh, the the president is the is the president, basically the figurehead president of WWE yeah. and stuff like that, but it's still Ari Emanuel has all the final say. I I think that it was it was about time that. He got involved and told him, "Hey, look, you, 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 you gave up that that position of being a part of creative when you resigned last July. You mm-hmm. gave that up, and now he's running it. He needs to run it autonomously. He doesn't need someone else to be in there and make work doing whatever. You know what I'm saying? That's what that's yep. what needed to happen, and it finally happened. And I'm very happy that that you know." Mr. Emanuel finally stood up and was like, yeah, look, we, you, no, no, your mm-hmm. job here is you're the executive chairman. You came back to not only secure this merger, but to also secure the media rights for WWE. That's it. That's all. Nothing else. So I'm happy that he finally stepped in and told him, look, do your part and don't interfere with shit else. Okay. So yeah. good on him for doing that, for crying out loud. Um, anyway, next up, uh, we have the updates. We have an update on the reported contract status of someone who just made their on-screen debut with WWE this week. And we're talking about none other than former two-time NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, Nick Aldis. It was announced on this past week's SmackDown that they're going back to the on-screen GM authority uh, role that they had prior with... Adam Pierce becoming the GM of Monday Night Raw and Aldis becoming the general manager for Friday Night SmackDown. Now, it was already it was reported and this comes from Fightful Select on the information regarding his contract. He first came on this past summer as a producer, sort of like a uh basically a trial run as a producer whereas he would show up to show some shows but he would still also be able to honor his indie bookings and things of that nature uh but it has been confirmed from fightful that his trial run is now over and he is officially signed with with wwe not only working as a producer but as an on-screen authority figure uh 
he was considered a free agent during his time as part of the uh, as a producer. Why? So that's why he was still able to work his indie dates. He his last indie date that he worked was literally two days ago from the date that we were recording this, October thirteenth. Um, well, it was six days before his uh, that October thirteenth episode of SmackDown where he wrestled at ACW Appalachian Championship Wrestling at their Blue Clash Con event on October the seventh. So it was on. A, it was basically the Saturday before he made his on-screen debut with WWE. Uh, so it, there's, it's, been, it's worth reporting, it's worth mentioning that in the report from Fightful Select that talent backstage who spoke with them uh, had nothing but great things and praise uh, for the former Impact wrestler, uh, saying that he's eager, makes the most of his opportunity with the company, and is easy going. Uh, and he looks like he's a great fit for the, for the WWE, given his 20 years of in-ring experience, uh, but he has never wrestled in a WWE ring and it's still unknown if he will wrestle in a WWE ring or if this is just a strictly non-contact on-screen role that Nick Aldis will, will have Sith. What do you think about that? The National Treasures is, is, is officially signed with WWE. Yeah, and I fucking love it because get this. I know the reaction he got the other night wasn't all that great. But a lot of, no offense meant, but you have a certain section of WWE fans that don't watch Impact, they don't watch the NWA, they don't watch the Indies. And that's, so it's like Nick Aldis shows up, they're like, who's this guy? But then they popped when he put Dominic in check, though, and he's, they're like, oh, but I like to throw a wrinkle into this, champ. True or false, Nick Aldis has been a heel before. True. Imagine in time he's still running SmackDown and he turns into that evil conniving person of Nick Aldis and brings in, say, Tom Lattimore and reforms strictly business. Oh my lord. Holy <laughs> fuck. That would be fucking crazy, bro. Bruh. <laughs> That would be fucking crazy. I mean, Tom Latimer's <laughs> still hanging out in NWA with his with his wife, yes. uh, with my wife Camille. Camille, bring them both over. Imagine, oh my god! Right? Yeah, but yeah. See, you just read my mind. Imagine bringing them both over. Camille be run, trying to run the women's division. The only person that can stand up to her, like stand up to her height wise and power wise, is Charlotte. But and she'll Charlotte, put Charlotte in her place. It's put in her place. <laughs> that would be dope. That would be fucking yes. dope. That would be fucking dope. I mean, just yeah. I mean, a lot of people. Again, you make the a very valid point that there's a lot. There is a very broad section of the WWE fan base that watches nothing but WWE and basically has blockers when it comes to anything else wrestling related that doesn't have the WWE stamp of approval on it. And so that's why the beauty of us being a wrestling podcast is that we can't we can't afford to have those blinders on. We have to see every, mm -hmm. almost everything. Like yeah, we don't get the, we don't watch or cover the NWA like we like we should or Ring of Honor and things like that. Again, you know we should, but we we don't not not just because, not because we don't want to. It's because well, for one, Ring of Honor that's money. You know that's money, and you know we have to be smart with our money when it comes to certain things. NWA you know is on YouTube, but it's hard. You know I I don't n never make the time or memorize myself to watch it every week and stuff like that. Otherwise, I only I watch would. it like once or twice a month now. 
Yeah, and you know that was because I remember we used to watch the NWA religiously every week when it was on yes. YouTube before they decided they needed to get they needed to have a money grab and went over to fight to fight uh dot TV and at that point it was just like well I'm not paying money to watch them now so fuck this uh, I'm not watching yeah. them and I stopped watching them because it's like oh I, y'all gave it away for free but then the pandemic came around and y'all knew y'all needed money so then y'all decide okay we're gonna make it a cash grab now if y'all was gonna make it a cash grab that should have been something at the beginning not midway after y'all gave it away for free for about a half a year and a half almost we didn't run you know the thing <laughs> so it is what it is but yeah. I am happy for Nick Aldis to make this jump and things like that. Uh, I know that he did an interview with, I forgot what it was. He did an interview where he talked about being a WWE producer, but still working his indie events as well as trying to make sure he schedules his indie events around Mickey's schedule and things like that. You know, Mickey's getting, you know, still working with impact without a contract, by the way, but still working with impact doing dates there and also doing indie dates and stuff like that. So, you know, when you have two wrestlers who are married and have children, but also want to have their commitments to the wrestling and stuff like that, it can be tough. So he outlined that in an interview. I can't remember where it was but uh again congratulations to nick all this now he'll be the uh on-screen general manager for smackdown which means that if he's going to be working smackdown then gotta wonder if he's going to be able to still work indie dates or not but we'll have to see what we'll to see anyway keeping it moving now and every if you remember we've been covering here on this podcast the uh Racial discrimination, the uh, the race, the uh, racial discrimination per lawsuit that was filed by former WWE writer Brittany Abrams uh, back in April of this year. She filed a lawsuit against WWE, against Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, and several members of the writing team, uh, bringing about allegations of racial behavior, of racist behavior, while she was working as a writer for the company. Uh, she put, brought forth that lawsuit citing discriminatory treatment, harassment, a hostile work environment, wrongful termination, monetary damages, unlawful employment practices, and unlawful retaliation due to race, color, and gender. Then uh, this is, uh, again, based on when she used to work with WWE starting in 2020 and was eventually let go in two, April of 2022. Uh, she alleged that her termination came about because she wanted to take one of the souvenir chairs home for one of the pay-per-views and because she did she was fired yet others who are of not who are not of color did the same thing and were not even disciplined for that uh so According to WrestleNomics' Brandon Thurston, uh, a, the, a recent update says that court documents now show that a voluntary dismissal notice with prejudice against all the defendants involved, including WWE, has been filed with the courts, meaning that the lawsuit has been completely dismissed. Uh, back in August, uh, the... Uh, causing the claims and cause of action against Mc, uh, both McMahon's as well as the writers were voluntarily dropped without prejudice uh, back in August. But now this claim against the WWE, which was kept open at the time, has now been looks like it's been completely dismissed with Abrams and the WWE had uh, filing a joint motion in order uh, having them jo- file a joint motion back then in August to extend the WWE's response time to the case, but now the case has been completely 
drop. Uh, and for those who want to understand legalese, uh, the stipulation of dismissal with prejudice means if Abrams, along with her attorneys, do decide they want to refile the lawsuit, they might they have to try it in a different court because that court will not hear it. Uh, right now, the, it, that original lawsuit was filed with the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of New York. She would have to file it with another district court somewhere else in order to have it filed. Otherwise, that court will not hear it. Uh, so this this lawsuit is is now gone. Yeah, how am I not surprised? I've said once, I'll say it again. If you're a corporation that has a shitload of money or a shitload of backers that are in with a lot of people with a lot of other corporations, things get swept under the carpet either with a NDA with a payout you know, hush money settlement or just outright dismissal. Yeah, Sage said it for me. Odds are TKO paid her off because they don't want this type of thing coming out and actually going to trial. They don't want that happening because it's a bad luck. So, yeah, if they paid her off, all fine and good. But also, it's typical. They don't want this shit coming out. I mean, who could ever forget the idea that Mansoor was going to have a care was going to betray a character that had a part in the 9-11 attacks and he wasn't even 10 fucking years old when it happened. I mean, it's just sick, champ. I'm throwing it to you. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Maybe it's a payoff. Maybe it's an on the side payoff. Who knows? But uh, you know, again, the fact that the lawsuit was not dismissed was dismissed without prejudice in that same court for the individuals that were named still leaves the opening for her to refile it just against those individuals and not against WWE as a whole. Uh, in which you know. In, in a legal sense could make sense because of the fact that, you know, TKO Holdings is WWE is now a part of TKO Holdings and Stephanie McMahon is not a part of that. She's completely separated from that. And Vince McMahon is the executive chairman of W of uh, executive chairman, but he could still be a part of that and things like that. And so could some of those writers as well. So I, you know, it could be a, a good move for her to have kept that, so that way she can refile in that same district and be able to focus on them and not just the company as a whole. So we'll have to see. We'll keep an eye on that situation and keep and provide updates if, if anything happens. But it looks like uh, the lawsuit itself is pretty much done and over with. And it looks like we're going to be moving on from that. And we're going to be moving on from this story to another story as we've seen Kota Ibushi make numerous appearances in aew recently in matches he made three appearances recently well kota ibushi himself has actually uh has actually gone on record to confirm that he has signed a contract with all elite wrestling uh he said that during a common conversation with human yito Imanari, which was posted on YouTube and was translated via Wrestle uh, Zone, which is also translated by a great YouTube channel called HD Subs, uh, or where he outlined that he had signed a contract with AEW and opened up about details of said contract. He said, "Quote: 
I'm based in Japan, and I will travel for the matches. Basically, I'm in I'm in Japan. I work in Japan. I will be active. I will I'll be free to do that too. So, uh, along with being able to make appearances for AEW and make work matches for AEW, he will also be able to work in other wrestling promotions uh, as well. Though it was not it was not stated or made clear which promotions uh, he would be able to be a part of, uh, but you know, mean that you know it could be an open-ended agreement or there could be specific places that he may not be able to work. Uh, he all, he would go on to say that he quote, I, he asked to reduce the number of matches a little bit more because if I do, if I go to many times, my activities in Japan will be limited. When I said that AEW said they, that it was, uh, it was okay. That's okay to that uh, to It's the best deal. So basically Abushi, as we know, used to be, contracted with new japan pro wrestling he suffered a horrific injury to his shoulder back in the g1 climax 31 tournament back in 2021 it took him over a year to finally return um during that time he had a falling out with some of the brass with uh new japan pro wrestling it was well documented on social media uh, it even involved his mother and an attempted uh, attempted uh un- unaliving of herself which led to her being injured uh and Kota Ibushi having that falling out with New Japan he allowed his contract to elapse and he would make his he would make his return to in-ring competition uh during WrestleMania weekend for GCW as well as Bloodsport uh and then he made his AEW debut in July uh for Blood and Guts before making a couple more appearances for that promotion Sith the Golden Star is all elite somewhat and i'm all for it and here's why because AEW is usually pretty flexible in a matter of speaking as to where their talent what their talent can do aside from the you know two or three days that they're doing tapings during the week two during the week three if there's a pay-per-view so i'm on board with this i know a lot of people are going to be upset when i say this but Kota Ibushi has, you know, as long as AEW tells him, hey, we'll honor these dates, you know, go ahead and do things over here. I like the flexibility. He's able to do what work he can do in Japan, do what dates he can do here as well, stateside. He found a fit for him, and I'm proud for him. Champ. Yeah, I mean, Kota Ibushi has said as he was continuing his recovery from the shoulder injury that he had suffered in the G1 Climax 31 final against Kazuchika Okada uh, that he wants to open a wrestling school in Japan and he wants to train wrestlers. So I think that him having this, you know, the, having this type of schedule where he shows up when he can, that would be great mm-hmm. so that he can continue to work on building up that school in Japan and training wrestlers and stuff like that and maybe doing a couple Japanese indie, indie uh, dates and stuff like that. Uh, but we know for sure he's not going back to New Japan because that was a very, 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 very nasty breakup. Uh, we covered mm-hmm. it here on this podcast when it happened. It was a very, very nasty breakup uh, between those two. And I, there's no chance he's going to go back there no. and deal with that madness at all. So I th- think that this was a good move for him. It was a lot of speculation that he would end up going there because of his relationship 
with Kenny Omega and the tag team that they had, the Golden Lovers in Japan, and it was almost like the naturals, uh, a natural fit for Obushi to go to All Elite Wrestling because of his relationship with Kenny Omega and uh, you know the relationship he had with the Young Bucks and with Hangman, the Elite, and things of that nature. Uh, before we go to our final news story of the day, I want to just say hello to everybody that's in our Twitch chat. Sorry we didn't say anything to y'all sooner. We've been... I've, like technology's got me, so I'm trying to get through this podcast in less than in less than two hours, so that I'm not up until midnight editing this when I have to work in the morning. Uh, but want to say hello to Alex, who made a remark about the impending return of Randy Orton, which I didn't cover that as a news story, but there is a report out there that there's a possibility that Randy Orton could return to WWE as soon as Chicago, Illinois, and uh Sur- and Survivor Series. Which, if that happens, that would be awesome. Um, and then uh, Alex asked about the Uncle Howdy and the uh, Y6 faction. We've already answered this question, Alex. They shouldn't do it. Even as a, mem- a memorial no. to Bray, still shouldn't do it. I would, I would advise, no. if I were advising Triple H and the creative team as someone pitched continuing the Y6, I would advise against it. There's other ways to memorialize Bray Wyatt having actual stable and going through with a storyline. I would advise against it. Sith, what say you? I would advise against it unless the family, and I mean JoJo, the great Mike Rotunda, and Bo, all three of them say yes. If they say yes, Okay, I'm good with it. But if any of them say no, no. That's what I'm that's saying. Like, the, I, yeah, I, that's what I'm saying as well. Like, the family should definitely, definitely be uh, be involved in discussions about whether that should go forward. Uh, we can't just be going out putting things like that out there just because oh, it's a memorial for for Bray or something like that. There has to be some kind of tack to it and some kind of reasoning behind it. And like I said, I mm-hmm. would advise against it. That's just me. I would yeah. advise against it because you can find other ways to memorialize Bray. You don't have to create, you don't have to go forward with a storyline that he was supposed to be involved in because you don't know how deep that could wound the family or all the fans of Bray Wyatt by going through with something that should have had him involved in it. You know what I'm saying? I feel that's yeah. what I feel. You know, that's what that's how I feel. And then the the members that you would have in it, you know, Dexter Loomis, Bo, Karrion Cross, Scarlett, Joe Gacy, and and Shotzi. Like, granted, the only person that would be in this from family would be Bo Dallas, but I still think that it just I would advise against it. I would advise against it. Uh Midwest Viking, you know damn well this is not a 49ers jersey. This is a commander's jersey under their old name. So please don't do that. Uh anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Midwest Viking agrees that it shouldn't do it. All white family ties should be out. Uh, Sage thinks they, they yeah. should do it because uh, Bo knew the direction he wanted to go in. So he, so Sage actually seems to be in the minority that they should do it. Only if all three rotunda family members agree. And if they don't, I'm out. Don't but Midwest it. Vikings saying that if it was Bray's baby, if they messed it mm-hmm. up, it would tarnish everything Bray did. Again, that's why my advice would be not to do it because only Bray 
had the idea of where he wanted it to go, and I don't know if he shared it with anybody, not even Bo. Only he knew the direction it would go. Mm -hmm. So you can't just take something like that and take it not knowing the true direction that it should go because you may take it one direction and think it's good, but that may have been the direction Bray wanted to avoid. And he wanted right. to go a different direction. So basically, again, something like this, you just cannot take off the ground when the person who is brainchild of is not here because you're not going to take it in the direction they're going to take it because you don't you haven't read their minds to know that. So anyway, we're going to move on and talk about a couple of guys who consider themselves grizzled young veterans who are now officially grizzled free agents. And we're talking about none other than the grizzled young veterans uh, recently named Jagger Reed and Rip Fowler. None other than James Drake and Zap Gibson are officially free agents. Uh, this is according to a report from FIFA Select. Uh, their uh, contracts have officially expired and they are eligible to appear for other promotions immediately as their contracts expired. They were not released. Uh, the last time they appeared on NXT was back on August the 29th where they wrestled in a cage match against Julius and Brutus the Creed brothers in which the Creeds won their way back onto the NXT roster. Uh, it was uh, they had set the Creeds packet in a loser leaves town match back in July, uh, but now the Creeds are back, and now the diet, the guys who were formerly known as the Diet, were ended up gone. They did a little bit of a sort of write off segment for them with Joe Gacy and Ava, uh, also known as Ava Rain. But now it looks like they are pretty much gone. As you know, the story was that they requested their releases earlier this year uh, from uh, WWE, but they were denied. So they decided to just play it out, let their contracts play out, not resign, and then just go on to do what they wanted to do. Uh, on Thursday, Drake did confirm on Twitter, I'm still calling it Twitter, I'm not calling it X, uh, that he and Gibson are are going to be pursuing ventures outside the WWE imminently saying quote in case you missed it tomorrow a new chapter begins thank you everyone who has supported us through the past seven years it really does mean a lot I'm excited and equally terrified for what comes next I haven't felt this alive in such a long time life is or living don't forget that and they would he would follow that up with a tweet that came out on Friday well, actually came out this weekend. Uh, when did it come out? It came out Saturday uh, with a tweet that says, no production crew, no spooky lighting, no contact lenses. He's at, me and our, me and Zach Gibson, and this is from James Drake's Twitter account, me and Zach Gibson are proud professional wrestlers in bold, in bold professional wrestlers we are the grizzled young veterans and they had a video on there which uh you know they outlined what they uh they have going on is they had talked about you know the the leaving from wwe and stuff like that sith you were one of the big fans of this group when they were in nxt uk how do you feel about the fact that now they're out they're, they're going to be going somewhere else there is a team that they have had battles with in Impact Wrestling. And I would love to see Subculture meet up again with their old foes and friends, the Grizzled Young Veterans. Why? Because there's a team there that is top-notch called the Rascals that are your Impact World Tag Team Champions. 
the veterans are just as crafty and just as brutal. This could be wild. I don't want them going to AEW. AEW right now, although they are getting the wheels kicked around a little bit better, I'm still very uneasy about AEW because of the owner of AEW you, who just can't stay off his phone for the most part when things go to shit that he doesn't like. But I would love to see them in Impact, New Japan, CMLL, AAA Lucha Libre, Combat Zone Wrestling, MLW. list goes on where those guys could go. Because you know what? They're professional fucking wrestlers. Champ. Yeah, I, I feel like AEW would not be a great landing spot for them. Their tag, the AEW tag team division is just way too stacked at this point. You have way too many tag teams with uh, the Butcher and the Blade, with the Hardys, uh, Private Party when uh, Zay's partner gets back, uh, Top Flight when Derek when Dante's back from his ankle injury. Uh, you have uh, Jesus. You have the FTR. Uh, the Young Bucks. I mean, it's too many. It's way too many taxis at AEW for uh, GYV to end up there. Sith is saying, Sage is saying G, GYV and DPW. Remind me again who DPW is again, Sage? Because I don't know who that yeah, is. Yeah, who that? Anyway, you know, anyway, but um, I I just feel like they they would be better suited in Impact. I mean, I mean, we already seen what Subculture was able to do. They were able to become Impact World Tag Team Champions. They have a pretty decent reign as Impact World Tag Team Champions. I think that GYV would definitely. I think that 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 would definitely be a great place for for them and stuff like that. Hello, Cam. Apparently, Cam knows what DPW is. uh, But I'm 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 lost. Oh, Deadlock Pro Wrestling. Oh God, Jesus Christ! Anyway, we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. We're yeah. gonna move on. But anyway, I'm happy for I'm happy for GYV. I'm glad that they were they held out as long as they could, and they finally got out of their contracts, mm-hmm. and now they're gonna do they're gonna do what a lot of pro wrestlers are doing uh, when they leave the the big big time of WWE, and they're gonna bet on themselves. They're going to bet on themselves and hopefully and most likely that bet's going to work out for them in which they're going to be they're going to regain their love of pro wrestling and they're going to be a lot more successful. So we'll see. Anyway. All right. It's time to talk really quickly. New Japan again. I'm only going to talk about Destruction Real Goku. I'm not going to talk about Royal Quest because I have yet to see it. I'm going to find a way to watch it, and then when I do, we'll talk about it this coming Friday or Saturday uh, before we uh, before Bound for Glory when we do our recap of New Japan this coming weekend. Uh, but basically, Real Goku Destruction Real Goku, which saw the end of the Road to Destruction tour uh, in the open uh, in the first. Uh, match it was a pre-show matchup that saw the frontier zone match which saw five members of japan's indie scene uh take on five members of new japan of, of new japan uh in a 10-man tag match it saw oscar loibe ryusuke taguchi tiger mask toriano and one half of the iwgp heavyweight tag team champions yoshihashi take on the team of takahiro katori ju masoka kengo Kazuma sumi and takeshi uh, Takeshi Masada 
Uh, a few of them were actually champions on, in their various uh, indie promotions. So that was really good to see. But it was an oh my garankle from uh, Taguchi onto Katori that led to the win for the New Japan side in 8 minutes and 14 seconds. Our first match proper saw Doki and Taichi it be, it be led out by the X that would be the new member of Just Five Guys. And by the way, I called it on this fucking podcast. I called who X was going to be. I knew that X was going to be Yuya Yurimura because everything just lined up perfectly for his return from excursion. He got the fired case from the Feaster fired. They tried to do one last little match with him to see if he could keep his job. He didn't. So I said, oh, everything lines up perfectly for him to come back from excursion uh, because he just got fired from impact so now he's back he's part of just five guys and he helps just five guys with the deadbolt suplex to defeat Kanemaru's show and Taiyujiro of house of torture that would be an omen of things to come for house of torture against just five guys tangaloa would be victorious with the ojk the original jato killer submission hold on chase owens uh to get the victory over chase chase was not on the case in this special singles match um the in the battle of lij versus united empire it would go the way of you of lij as setsuya naito who was the g1 climax winner this year was victorious with the destino on Callum noon to give his side lij side with him takagi yoda suji and bushi the victory over newman hinari great okan and jeff Cobb. Our fourth match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships would not go the way of the Hantai team of the Intergalactic Jet Setters as the Bullet Club War Dogs team of Drilla Maloney and Clark Connors would get the victory. The ending saw uh, saw Drilla Maloney hit a hell of a counter into the uh, into the Drilla Killer. It would then lead to the full clip after Kevin Knight was expo- was expelled from uh, the ring, he, Kushida would get hit with the Driller Killer. He would hit, get hit with full clip, and the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions would retain their championships. In the final match in the Best of Seven series, Shota Umino was finally able to get that elusive pinfall over Ren Narita to give his side the victory to finish off the series 3-3-1 three, three, and one. afterwards. All six men would shake hands with each other, though Umino and Renrita was not as reluctant as uh, Desperado and Watto, and even more reluctant as Nagata and Suzuki, but they would shake each other's hands and go on about their business. Our next matchup would see our first and lone title change, first of two title changes on the night. It would be for the strong openweight tag team championships. The, the, the champions, Gabe Kidd and Alex Coggin of the War Dogs, Bullet Club War Dogs, would fall to the combination of El Phantasma and Hikaleo of G.O.D. Uh, it would be the Godson Chokeslam followed by Thunder Kiss 86 on Alex Coglin for Hikaleo and ELP to become the sixth strong openweight tag team champions. Then our next matchup will see the never openweight six-man tag team championships defended as Ishii, Tanahashi, and Okada defended against Impact's trio of the Motor City Machine Guns and Josh Alexander in the end. High fly flow from Tanahashi onto Alex Shelley, the Impact World Champion. 
gave, gave the champions the victory in their third defense, and that gives Tanahashi a chance to be able to take on Alex Shelley for the Impact World Championship down the line. Our second title change will come next as Tama Tonga, thanks to the DSD, would defeat David Finley to become the 40th never open weight champion. He defeats Finley, who was in his second defense of that championship. The match with 39 minutes, with 19 minutes and 39 seconds. Uh, but Tomatonga becomes a two-time never open weight champion. Uh, we had our junior heavyweight title match, which was a three-way, which had Yo in, inserted into it because of an illness to Leo Rush. Uh, but Hiroma would hit Time Bomb 2 on Yo to have his sixth successful defense of the junior heavyweight title. And so he would uh, Hiroma would be the victor with 17 minutes 53 seconds. Mike Bailey repeatedly saying in Japanese one more to Hiromu, so maybe there'll be one more between one on one between Bailey and Hir and Hiromu down the line. And then in our main event for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship in a lumberjack death match, Sonata gets his fourth successful defense of that championship and regains the championship back, receiving the championship from Keiji Mudo, who was sitting at ringside doing commentary. The match with 28 minutes and one second. There was a lot of shenanigans, but because it was a lumberjack death match, it really wasn't a lot of rules, but at least three referees got knocked out in this matchup. I mean, I swear to God, it was more ref bumps than a WWE pay-per-view, honestly back in the, uh, in the olden days. Uh, but a dead fall and Sonata retained the championship. After the, the uh, matchup, he would be confronted by Naito, which would confirm that our main event for Wrestle Kingdom in Tokyo Dome on January the 4th, 2024, will be Sonata versus, G versus Tetsuya Naito for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. That was made official uh, the next day at a press conference between us uh, uh, with Sonata and and uh, Naito being involved, it was made official by Chairman Suga Bayashi that they will face each other at Wrestle Kingdom. And so there you go. That is your New Japan recap for this week. We uh, we are now on the heels of the of a, what looks to be a very abbreviated. And I looked at, looked this up. A very abbreviated Super Junior Tag League. Uh, that's coming up. The Super Junior Tag League has been uh, has the, has been announced. The lineup has been announced, and here's what we got for our lineup. We're gonna have we're gonna have the, there's only gonna be ten teams, no blocks. It's just gonna be one block of ten. You're gonna have Yo and a mystery partner, which has just been revealed uh, after Yo made an appearance at a Michinoku Pro event, Musa Musashi will be teaming with Yo to take to, to go into Super Junior Tag League, all because Leo Rush had been dealing with the illness. They don't know if he's still going to be cleared by the time the Super Junior Tag League will come around. So that means that that team will not be able to defend their tag their 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 win from last year but yo will still go into it with another partner other teams include the intergalactic jet setters of kushida and kevin knight uh ruske taguchi and the t and the dkc uh a very very unique team of doki of 
El Desperado and Master Watto, uh, Doki and Takamichinoku of Just Five Guys, Bushi and Teton of Los Ingobernables de Japón, uh, Robbie Eagles and the and currently on excursion Kosei Fujita, known as the Ichiban Sweet Boys of TMDK, uh, Catch Two Two of United Empire, TJP and Francisco Akira, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions Clark Connors and Driller Maloney, and representing House of Torture show and Yoshinobu Kanamaro. The tournament starts on the 21st. We are still uh negotiate we're still trying to figure out if myself and Sage will do a podcast series. We did it would be a very, 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 very short series because of how because of the fact it's only a two-week tournament. Oh and and Sage just corrected me that Tom is a three-time never open weight champion. So thank you. But um anyway you got i mean this we'll see what happens with this tournament but again 10 tees one block in only two weeks we'll see if we'll do it we'll we'll see if we will do um this series or not we'll have to see we'll have to see but anyway that's it for your new japan recap for this week i missed a lot in the in in the twitch chat so i'll catch up with that but before we do that uh we're gonna get into our fast lane recap so as you know we had fast lane uh last weekend thank you to everybody who showed up for uh the live reactions for fast lane it was a fun night um decent a pretty decent show uh but we'll get into it in just a bit but while before we get into that just want to get into here and see And Alex, I can promise you that scenario you just mentioned about the Royal Rumble will never happen. Oh hell no! It will never happen. I like. I'm not going to imagine it because see, it's scenarios like that I don't want to imagine because if I imagine it, then I know it's not going to happen, and it's going to make me mad and sad. So I I refuse to imagine that scenario because I'm not trying to get mad or sad. Because if I get mad or sad at this point, I'm ending the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking the same thing, Sage, is that skipping mm-hmm. actually doing separate podcasts and you just come on here and we recap it. Fuck it. We might have to just do that. Because I'm trying to say it's just too sh- as well. It's just it's it's just too short of a series. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just too it'll be too short of a of a series. And I just feel like it just would not it would not it, it just makes sense not to just it just would make no sense to do two, maybe three episodes and on it. Done. And then move on. You know? I I don't know. I'll keep people know. if y'all decide to just do it on during the weekly show, I'll just let people know on, on Twitter and TikTok and whatnot. We'll see. We'll, we we got to make a decision before this weekend because it starts on the 21st. So we'll make yeah. a decision and we'll go from there. But all right, let's talk about Fastlane for, for a quick second. All right, Fastlane opened up with the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship match. It was the Judgment Day defending the titles against the unlikely duo of Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso. The match with 20 minutes and 40 seconds. And as... um. Even with interference from Dominic and from Rhea and from Jordan Devlin, it was not enough as they hit what is now being called the Cody 1D, which is the combination of the Cody Cutter with the mm-hmm. with the assist up from Jay. It led to a crossroads and it led to a one two three and it led to new 
undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions crown in Cody Rose and Jay Uso Sith. What were your thoughts on this opening contest? Fun opening match with a lot of good storytelling, good chemistry, typical Judgment Day shenanigans that actually end up hurting the champions at the end of the day because Cody and Jay are now undisputed tag team champions. You have to wonder how deep the rabbit hole is going to go here with the Judgment Day and how Cody and Jay will handle being champions. 20 minutes, 40 seconds to match time. Yeah, I mean, I... I think this was the most surprising result out of any of the matches that took place on this card because I don't think anybody I know neither one of us picked them to win that matchup at all. But yet here we are with here we are with them as the tag team champions. So it's really crazy to think that we all felt that Judgment Day was a lock to walk out with the titles and then they walk out they don't walk out with the titles. So there you go. Um Next up, I'll, I'll get to you what you just said in a minute, Cam. Uh, next up, we will have our six-man tag team match that didn't start off as a six-man tag. It started off as a three-on-two handicap match with Bobby Lash and the Tree Profits against the LWO's uh, Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar after the other two members of the LWO were taken out the night before. So everybody was wondering, who was the third person? Who was the third person? Me and Sith already knew, but we just wanted to wait and see. And sure enough, it was correct. Carlito will come out later on in the matchup to get involved. He will end up being the catalyst of the victory for the LWO, get hitting the famed backstabber on Montez Ford to get the victory and give uh, give the victory for them in 10 minutes flat. Uh, Sith, what did you think about this one? Uh, wild match where the Prophets and Bobby Lashley laid waste to the LWO for most of the match. And then comes the plot twist. Carlito is back. It was great to have Carlito back, who, according to Sean Ross Sapp, a fightful slut was resigned a few months back, but there was nothing for him yet, so here we are. Just an intriguing match that kept the flow going, kept the flow going at the end of the day. Ten minutes even your match time. Yeah, I mean, I think that it was it it's one of those we can file into the cabinet of the worst kept secret in wrestling. Yeah. Uh I think a lot of things pointed to Carlito being the third guy, and there we, we got it. But it's still he still got a hell of a pop though from the crowd. I mean, the crowd absolutely loves Carlito, and Carlito still looked great hitting that backstabber. It was a great time yeah. had by all. All right, next up we will have our triple threat match for the WWE Women's Championship. EO Sky defending the title against both Asuka and Charlotte. Flair. Uh, prior to that, in, in a backstage segment, EO was uh, instructed Bailey not to come down, not to get involved in the matchup under any circumstances. And uh, as the match went on, it looked like Bailey was going to do that. But then as the match progressed, Bailey would get involved in the matchup. As a matter of fact, she got involved, distracting the referee, leading to Oscar tapping in the figure eight, but the ref not seeing it. Uh, uh, EO would hit the over the moon saw get the pinfall victory and she would retain the I, the WWE Women's Championship uh over Oscar and Charlotte Flair. Sith, what did you think about this one? Good match, but the fans really didn't start popping much at all through most of it because when Flair was dominating, people had that sinking feeling that the queen was going to win again. Now the ending really added some typical vibes though. Charlotte will claim that Oscar tapped and she should be champion. Yo will still be uncertain as she told Bailey and Dakota Kai, don't interfere. Stay back here. I got this. It was a good match. It did what I figured it would do with 
WWE's predictable booking of the women's division, 1720 your match time. Yeah. I mean, really good, really, really straightforward women's match. Uh, I have to agree with what Sid said. The crowd was not really much into this until late in the game. Uh, by then, it seemed like they just did not care, which I can understand. Uh, but yeah. it was still, a, it was still a pretty good matchup. I mean, it's just a, it seemed like the crowd just didn't give a shit. Uh, before yeah. we move on to our what was our semi main event, I uh, want to say congratulations to the New York Football Jets. Who ended the only who ended the undefeated streak of the only undefeated team left in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles, beating them by a score of twenty to fourteen after a Brees Hall eight-yard touchdown run with a minute forty-six left in the game. After Jalen Hurts threw his third interception of the game uh, <laughs> late in the fourth quarter, so the Jets. That's why my so time is no so quiet right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there are no more undefeated teams in the NFL. The last undefeated team has fallen to the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Uh, so congratulations to them. All right, we're moving on, and we're going to talk about uh, the semi, the, the penultimate match of the night, which would be the tag team matchup uh, between the bloodline, Jimmy Uso and Sola Sokoa, and the team of John Cena and L.A. Knight. Yeah. <laughs> Your thoughts on this one, Sip? This was 17 minutes and 20 seconds. The funny thing is, two matches back to back with 17 minutes and 20 seconds. Am I reading that right, or am I? Tripping? You are. You are, as La Knight says. Yeah. Okay. So this was a match that was wild. As Cena took what seemed to be a never-ending beatdown, and on the brighter side, this was one of the first times in a long time where we didn't hear let's go Cena Cena sunk sucks go back and forth LA Knight did solid work here Solo and Jimmy did their fucking thing Paul Heyman doing some of his best work in the bloodline story to say the least with Roman not on TV until the up until the other night this week post-match night putting Cena over good shit 1720 your match time yeah, I agree. I, I think that this was really a well done matchup. The fact that Cena took most of the punishment and then gave away to L.A. Knight, who would be the ult- the man who would finish things off, I think was great. So good on uh, the way they they built that match and the way they put that match together because it came off very very well. Uh, first, all right. Before we get to our main event, want to say hello to my good friend Sunshine, who has resubscribed for eighteen months in a row and has shared fifty bits. Thank you, Sunshine. Love you very much and appreciate you as always. Sorry, I've been missing you on your streams lately, but you've been getting on very late, whereas I've been going to bed and been sleep by the time you hit the go live on your end. But thank you very much, Sunshine, as always. All right, hi, Sunshine. Thank you. Same as Champ. I'm usually in bed pretty fucking early at times. But, yeah, nothing but love for her, though. She's awesome. All right, main event. It would be our last man standing match for the World Heavyweight Championship, which would be the longest match of the night. Here's the funny thing, and this is actually Yo. such a this is actually such a good stat that I think we need to play the play the play the play the gimmick because this is our first stat of the day. Our opening match and our main event were the two longest matches of the night. Our opening match had the distinction of the second longest match of the night at 20 minutes and 40 seconds, 
while our main event world title match went 28 minutes and 25 seconds, getting the distinction of the longest match of the night. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your stat of the day. Seth freaking Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the title was an absolute violent affair between the two. The focus was on the back of Seth Rollins uh, while Seth was focused on just surviving and just trying to put down Shinsuke however way he could. He would finally be able to do it after a pedigree and a stop after a after sending Nakamura through tables with the pedigree, he would finally be able to get up, and boom, Shinsuke Nakamura is defeated. Doc, uh, Rollins remains a champion, but Nakamura, who had been relatively persona non grata for the last couple of years, finally has come back and has caught people's eyes with this new persona, and I think that it's great. Even though he has lost twice for the world title, both those matches were bangers and made him just on the radar of a lot of people. Sith, your thoughts? Oh, yeah. The, you, holy fucking shit. What a fucking word to end the show. This was a mild main event, and both guys utilized weapons galore. And even had Graves and Cole begging Seth to stay down because of all the brutality brutality that Shinsuke Nakamura was handling out, was giving out. Now, Nakamura took his own chair of a piece as well, to say the least, and this close to this match was amazing. 28 minutes, 25 seconds, your final match time of the night. Jam? Yeah, I mean, this this was a, a lot. They had a lot going on with this matchup, a lot, but everything worked together. Everything flowed together, and with Seth being able to barely survive, uh, but I think that uh, Bully Ray actually made a valid point on Busted Open Radio Tuesday morning, uh, yeah. a couple of days after the event, because of the fact that Seth came out on Monday Night Raw acting like he wasn't hurt and was dancing around. He was like, wait, well, are we just delegitimizing the beatdown that Seth took by him coming out dancing and looking a fool and looking like he ain't hurt? Like, come on, what are we doing here? And again, there are a lot of times that I'll see stuff that Bully Ray says on Busted Open Radio, and I'll sit there and say, I need Bully Ray to shut the entire fuck up. This is one of those times I agree with Bully Ray. You really delegitimize that last man standing match by having Seth coming out acting like he ain't hurt. Yeah. Like there's no limp, there's no grabbing on the back, there's nothing. He's just like he didn't go through a war twenty like forty eight hours prior to Monday Night Raw. Like, come on, guys, we we got we got to be better than that. So that's one of the times I agree with Bully on that. Yeah, I do. All right, Great Sith, you watched it twice, so. That's your I thing did. is you watch it twice. I only watch it once and retain what I saw and just go from that. But Sith, what do you got for a grade for Fastlane? Okay. For a second tier WWE pay-per-view, and this is what I call second tier, this card overall was a good one to watch initially. And on rewatch, though, you had two or three title matches where I could say, hell yeah, seek your way up to see them again. The women's match was good, but just misses out on that area of being the title match to seek out. If you want good nostalgia, that's good for the soul. Both of the non-title matches really deliver on that theme. I am hoping for a reset now, but the women's match will definitely not allow that fully to happen. Overall, though, card exceeded my expectations, but so therefore my grade for fast lane would be plus. B plus, nice. Um, 
I'm gonna also go B plus. I really feel like everything on this card was solid. I just feel like that women's triple threat match really didn't fire up the crowd like it should have. Uh-huh. And I think that because half of the match was just people sitting on their hands, it was clear that no one gave a shit that you know Charlotte was in there throwing both both those ja- lovely Japanese Joshi women Joshi wrestlers around like little rag dolls, and no one gave a shit. And it was just like, yeah. okay, like why why should we care? And I think with that, because of that, I think that it you can't go no higher than a B plus because that kind of drags it down from what all the good work and goodwill that every other match had on here, including the big surprise to only a few of us, not not all of us, of Carlito's return event like return again, and this time actually being a winner and getting the win for LWO, that violent last man standing match, uh the two tag matches and stuff like that, I think were also very, very uh good and instrumental in making this a very, very positive pay-per-view for yes. WWE for this being a very low level pay-per-view. It was a very positive pay-per-view for for wwe um and so yeah there you go yeah all right the next time that we will be live reacted to a pay-per-view it will be me going solo dolo this coming saturday for AI Impact Bound for Glory, we will go live around 7.30, uh, probably a little earlier, depending on how many pre-show matches there are. Uh, there will also most likely be a uh, Hall of Fame induction during the pre-show in which mm-hmm. uh, Mike Tanay and the late Don West, along with Tracy Brooks, will be inducted into the Hall, into the TNA Hall of, or Impact Hall of Fame. Uh, and then we will be live reacting just myself uh, with you guys for Bound for Glory. Sith will be hanging out in the chat until he goes to sleep because, you know, he's an old man and he goes to oh, bed at like 9 o'clock I'll at night. I'll stay up for this and I will give Champ the match time alerts if he would like via chat so that way he can give them to y'all or if we decide to do it the following week at school too. Either way, I will yeah. be here by myself. So last time, like, I, I don't like doing Impact pay-per-views by myself. Because no one shows up, and then I get pissed off, and then I just end shit. Because I'm like, I'm yeah. not. Well, in this in this case, I probably won't end it because the last time I did an impact pay per view by myself, where I ended it early, it was because I was living in Reston, and I was sitting up there watching it stone cold sober. Not didn't have my, a, a drink in my hand, didn't have a cigar, yeah. so I was irritated. I was irritated. I was just like, you know what? I would much rather watch this on my big screen TV while sitting on my patio. Having a having a drink, having a cigar, and actually enjoying myself, and I sit here talking about it to nobody. Which means so, yeah. yeah. Well, basically, yeah, with Sith, which counts. Okay, never mind. I'm not gonna do that to Sith. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old as fuck. You know, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that to Sith. Uh, but anyway, but um, at least this time around, if I'm just talking to Sith, I can at least have a drink and a cigar and actually enjoy my fucking self instead of just sitting yeah. stone cold sober. So I won't end the pay-per-view. I won't end the stream this time around if I'm just talking to Sith. But I'm pretty sure there's going to be a few of you that will be hanging around mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So we'll see you guys this Saturday. Check out your social medias for whenever we decide, whenever, when we finally decide on what time we're going to start. So there you go. 
All right, let's get into the week in review. And of course, I will be driving the bus as the week in review. If you are new to our program or have been here before, you know, if you've been here before, you know the drill. If you're new to our program, our week in review is also called Push or Bury. We take five different segments, batches, what have you, from each show, from Monday Night Raw all the way to AEW Collision. And then we take those five bits and we decide to either give it a push a big push or mega push if we like love or really loved it we give it a small push or leave it where it is when we thought it was eh. and if we did not like it or we hated it we bury it into the ground we don't bury a lot of stuff around here well maybe sith does i don't i just i tend to be a little bit more pragmatic and think that if it was a mess segment, I just leave it as a mess segment. Like that, I don't really hate a lot of things. It's very rare that you'll get a, a, a buried out of me, but sometimes you will, sometimes you won't. But Sith is more—he's more liberal with the, using the shovel. Yeah. He's more liberal with using the shovel than I am. So that's let's put it that way. So for this week's weekend review, we're going to be looking at Fallout from Fastlane on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. We will also be looking at f- continued Fallout from No Mercy on NXT when NXT had to go head-to-head with AEW Dynamite and Dynamite's Title Tuesday. Uh, that took place this past Tuesday. You also saw more build towards uh full gear on that show as well as on rampage and on collision and of course the goat we have the second to last episode of impact on access to continue build towards bound for glory their go home show will be this thursday so we got that going on so let us begin it also and then also yeah, exactly. Barely Title Tuesday. I already voiced my my thoughts about that last week. That how can you call it Title Tuesday with only two championships on the line? I don't get that. And then another thing, and there's a reason why this podcast is given the title that it has. How can you have a season premiere where you never take a fucking break? <laughs> like at least us when we had our season premiere, we took two weeks off. Yeah. WWE don't take no fucking breaks. How can y'all have seasons? I mean, we take a mid-season break for the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) And whatever. It is what it is. All right. So, again, also as part of our Pushberry review segment, we also look at the grades from our good friends at Bleacher Report, who also have their own little reports on these. We look at the grades, and Sith goes and opines by saying that something that was slight was not as good gets a better grade than what Bleacher Report gets, which I still don't understand. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? Network requirements. Network requirements, my ass. That's bullshit. <laughs> that, that's bullshit. It's I don't like about trying to say I was required to watch Last Voyage of the Demeter. I wasn't required to watch it. I just watched it out of curiosity. I swear, Sif, you watched some of the most obscure movies ever that I Dang. have never heard of. You just wait to my year in ranking. You're going to be like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> yeah, well, anyway. All right, let's get right into it. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw. And we begin Monday Night Raw by talking about another chapter in the rivalry between the Viking Raiders and the New Day when Kofi Kingston went one-on-one with Ivar in a Viking rules match. Sith, push or bury the Viking rules match between Ivar and Kofi Kingston? 
I've ironed Kingston tore the fucking house down here, folks. If you need to see a match that isn't linked to a pay-per-view this week or a main event, this Viking Rules match fits your needs. These two gents brought it in a great way. Big push. Yeah, I I agree with the big push as well, only simply because it was really good for it to be a TV no holds barred match. You know, it was it was still re- went really well and uh, it still is crazy that Ivar can be so monstrous and yes. against two guys where it's part, you know, and stuff like that. I think it's uh, pretty awesome. So I, I, I yeah. really enjoyed it. All right. Nia Jax took on Raquel Rodriguez. Rodriguez trying to get revenge after Nia Jax essentially cost her the Women's World Championship when she made her return a few weeks ago. So they went at it. Nia Jax versus Raquel Rodriguez. Seth, push or bury? Maybe if it'll four ways soon enough. Who the fuck knows? Don't mind the DQ finish, but that's him giving this a push because it was good. But to be expected with typical WWE booking. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, definitely, you know, you got to give it a DQ. You have to give it a DQ finish because of the fact that, um, because of the fact that, you you know, you have Nia Jax just returning. She's been all-powerful, but you also have Raquel Rodriguez, who's, like, all-powerful and things like that. You want them to be sort of strong. And, of course, Rhea Ripley wants to continue to show that they should, the women's yeah. divisions should fear her as their world champion and things like that so i i think that that's that was the right call there uh next up bronson reed chad gable ricochet went at it in a matchup to determine a number one contender for the uh intercontinental championship and it almost didn't have ricochet in it after shinsuke nakamura decided to attack ricochet during his entrance and then hit a go to sleep on ricochet which had the internet all in shambles talking about oh see a punk definitely coming now shinsuke did this go to sleep nah motherfuckers he's not coming Uh just putting that out there he's not coming he just felt like doing that shit just to fuck with y'all anyway yeah but anyway bronson reed would hit the tsunami and get the victory he is now the number one contender we're about to get a big beefy men slapping meat match for the ic title on monday and i cannot wait sith push or bury this triple threat number one contenders match Big push bordering on mega push. This was lit as fuck. And as far as the GTS, I love what Kent has said on that on Twitter. You know what he said? See you in Chicago. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> but yeah, big push bordering on mega push. This was just wild. This was great. Champ. Yeah, I'm also going big push as well. Uh, the fact that Shinsuke still has unfinished business with, with Ricochet even after failing to get the world heavyweight title shows that they're at least trying to keep certain storylines going onto, uh, onto the side, which I really respect. That shows you Triple H knows what he's doing when it comes to creative that, you know... Yes. Ricochet and Shinsuke still got unfinished business, which they're going to handle in a false can anywhere match on Raw this coming Monday, which is their season premiere. Still think that's bullshit, but that's just me. But anyway, I give it a big push as well. All right, next up, we had ourselves a an NXT women's title match. Tegan Knox finally getting her opportunity to challenge Daman for that championship. And I'm telling you something, them girls put it, they, they, they tore the house down. They stole the show. I'm not even going to lie to you. 
They stole the show. I really enjoyed this matchup. Sith, how did you feel about this match? What's your Barry? Outstanding match here. As Knox had to prove that she could run with the best in the division and one of the best, if not the best woman on the roster. And Becky Lynch made sure certain that although she was winning, Knox went over. This gets my first mega push of the week. Like I said, I I these young these women stole the absolute show. And the fact that we did have to wait two weeks for this. After what we got in this matchup, I'm not mad we had to wait a couple weeks for this because it delivered in spades. And then afterwards, you know, Tegan Knox seemingly down on herself. But then, of course, uh, Chelsea Green and 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 Piper and Piper Nevin had to get involved in in this shit. So it looks like you know I think that Team KC or maybe uh, Tegan and someone else and Natty might be going after the women's tag titles. That looks like the direction that they're going. But I can't sit here and hype up a match like this and do and give it nothing less than my first mega push of the week. It was a, fa- a fantastic matchup. <sighs> Even though this was this this it, here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. We keep getting on AEW for only having one women's match. Yeah. WWE has yeah, granted, this, Raw's a three-hour show. Granted, Raw's a three-hour show, so yes. it's kind of hard to compare. But they put on two women's matches with two two quality women's matches. Well, one quality women's match and one very, very, very good women's match. Yes. I'm sure that in two hours... I mean, Impact puts on two women's matches, and they have two hours. Yeah. So I don't understand. Anyway... Then we had our main event after what happened in the opening segment with Cody Rhodes and the after Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso came out and they were challenged by Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens for the titles. They went at it in the main event. Another really solid matchup, which saw the undisputed attack chance retain their championships over Sami and KO. Uh, Sage early um, Cam early on had made mention in our Twitch chat about how he he saw it didn't make any sense for them to become the champions, Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso. But it made more sense when it was revealed that KO was the one that would be traded over to SmackDown in exchange for Jay Uso. So having them be the champions made sense. And this was their opportunity to try to be champions again. It did not happen. Afterwards, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens shook the hands of their opponents, including Kevin, reluctantly, but ultimately accepting Jay and shaking his hand. I think that was great. Push or bury our main event, Seth. Uh, really solid main event between two really good teams. KO and Sammy went the distance, but in no way were those belts being hot potatoed. Give it a big push. Yeah, I agree with a big push as well. I think it was very, very well done that they had that matchup, and I was almost like a send off for Kevin Owens to go on to the blue, bl- the blue, the blue brand, and leave the red brand. All right. Now, as we mentioned, we have grades courtesy of Bleacher Report, so we will get those in just a minute. Of who the one writing the grades for this week's Raw would be none other than the good guy, the good doctor, Doc Chris Miller. Doc. Um, all right, we opened up with the the visionary and the Scottish warrior agreeing to a world's heavyweight title match. Uh, that took place as the opening segment. I almost mistakenly said Cody and Jay were the opening segment. I had to remember it was like they weren't the opening. They came out during the show, but that was it. Uh, that got a B. I agree, B. Next, Ivar versus Kofi Kingston Viking rules match. 
got a, a B plus. B plus. I almost gave it an A minus, but decided on B plus. Uh, Nia Jax versus Raquel R- Rodriguez got a C plus. Uh, C, but still, you know, decent match. The new tag champs speak. This is the way they came out. This got a B minus. Yeah. Uh, B plus. Just to hear better. R- Ricochet versus Bronson Reed versus Chad Gable. Triple threat number one contenders match. Got an A minus. A minus, but what a fucking banger. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Jordan Devlin. That got a C plus. Uh, B minus. Yeah. Becky Lynch versus Tegan Knox NXT Women's Title Match got a B plus. First holiday grade of the week. There you go. And Cody Rose and Jay Uso versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens for the undisputed tag titles. That got a B plus. I agree. B plus. Doc, you on point. And then, of course, the final word from Doc Chris Mueller is as follows. Quote, the first Raw after a pay-per-view can sometimes be light on the action because WWE spends so much time setting up the next set of uh, feuds. But this week's show had some really solid wrestling. Lynch versus Knox, the triple threat involving Gable Reed and Ricochet, Ivar versus Kingston, and the main event tag title bout were all entertaining in different ways. The non-wrestling segments were also strong this week. Several storylines were addressed and advanced, and a few matches were set up for both next week's Raw and Crown Jewel on November the 4th. All in all, this was a strong week for the Red Brand, with WWE loading up Tuesday's NXT to compete against AEW Dynamite. It looks like we have a great week of wrestling ahead of us, end quote. His final grade was a B. Overall, this was a really good PLE fallout show in that they hit on the key developments from Fastlane and turned the page to move on to some fresh matchups. We want to see some story development and Trips and his team are delivering here. Um, Yeah, the match between Raquel and Nia, as well as Drew and Devlin, felt like a little bit of filler. But, you know, even if they had gotten more time, it would have been fine. But it was just good, you know, decent, good. Rob this week, major step up from last week. Get to B+. Hmm, Interesting. Uh, And Cam saying in our Twitch chat, also, though, KO going back doesn't seem... The seem like the best plan creatively. I'm sure they have a plan for Kevin Owens. Yeah. I'm sure Triple H has some kind of plan for for K for KO going to SmackDown. There's something there. We just don't we just don't see it yet. Yeah, but but something's there. Something's there. All right, let's talk about NXT, ladies and gentlemen. NXT was loaded for bear. With them competing against AEW on Dynamite because Dynamite because Dynamite was on Tuesday due to the Major League Baseball playoffs, which by the way, it's so crazy to me that the two 100 win teams in made in the regular season both got swept. Yes, out of the first round they got swept. Atlanta and and and, and Baltimore. Yep, which is crazy to me. But anyway. It sucks that Baltimore got knocked out, but Atlanta, I'm not shedding any tears over them. They aren't quite ready yet. 
right. NXT. All right, we we are we we're gonna start off with the segment that opened the show, which was Cody Rhodes coming out to announce not only the return of a couple tournaments, but also announcing that he was GM for the night and that he would book himself a an NXT title match because he got interrupted by Dirty Dominic Mysterio. Push or bury our opening segment involving Cody Rhodes. I give it a big push. It was a good way to open up NXT with Cody making the announcements for the men and for the men's breakout tournament after the women are done. And also Dusty Cup having Ilya Rhea Dom there as well. Beat it felt really good. Give it a big push. I just like the fact that the crowd was legit singing his song. And it was yes. like, wait, holy fucking NXT crowds are built different. I'm giving this a big push as well. Honestly, I honestly really just enjoyed this segment. Dirty Dom getting involved and thinking he could get in the Ilya Dragunov's face. And that was a big mistake getting in the face of the of the, of the Mad Dragon, the Czar. You can, you don't do shit like that to him and, <laughs> no. and everything. So I enjoyed it. Definitely give it a big push. Next up, Oscar returning to NXT for the first time in a couple of years. Uh, she would take on Roxanne Perez, and boy, she had the crowd on her side. Uh, push or bury Roxanne Perez versus Oscar. As much as they hype this match happening, it's a travesty. They've only got six minutes and fifteen seconds of match time here. I get the idea of promoting something important, but match-wise, this needed a few more minutes to make it feel more special. But I'm giving it a push. Yeah, I'm also giving it a push. I, I, can, I, I can't believe you timed it. And it was six. It was legitimate six minutes. Legit six fifteen. Jesus Christ, man! How do you how do you hype up a match like this? And I mean, you can all, but that, but I mean, also you, it goes towards the whole how dominant Oscar was at NXT. That even yeah. a former NXT Women's Champion couldn't beat her and lost to her in such a short time and things like that. I like the interaction that Oscar had backstage with uh with Blair Davenport because many people who again there's that little Japan. section of fans. There's that little section of fans that don't watch nothing but WWE don't realize that Blair Davenport used to be B Priestley in stardom and was the, the top gaijin. It yeah. was the top gaijin in, in stardom. So she spent many years in Japan. So she knows a little bit of Japanese and she was able to communicate yes. with, with her in Japanese. And again, thanks to the great web, great uh, YouTube channel of HD subs, I was able to get a translation of what they were saying. Uh, let me see if I can could pull that up really quickly i know we we got a lot going on but i want to i want to pull that up because i want you guys to know what uh they were saying to each other uh in that what they were saying to each other in that in that uh exchange so give me just one second to pull that up but um i thought that interaction between b Priestley and oscar was great it seemed a little awkward but it was also pretty good okay yeah here we go so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say that. I'm gonna try to say this word for word, verbatim. Cool. All right. So, but it was the HD subs. I'm telling you, I would subscribe to HD subs because a lot of the they they do a lot of translation of a lot of stardom stuff and a lot of stuff that you know happens in the WWE when it has Oscar or EO or Shinsuke when they speak in Japanese and stuff like that and uh, on on a live microphone and stuff like that. So. They do great with translations and stuff like that. So, okay, here we go. So how are you doing, right? Let's see. Hang on. 
how you doing, right? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, you are Tichi. Teacher? Teacher? Yes, teacher. Teacher. Yes, 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 yes. Please do uh, come. Come here. Thank you, Asuka-san. Thank you. Am I great? Yes, you're the best. You're the best. Yeah, very awkward exchange, but it ended with Asuka asking B Priestley if she was the best and B saying, yes, you're the best. So I thought that was, absolutely, I thought that was funny as hell. But anyway, let's keep it moving. Sage. No. And Sage says, Sage says, no, 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 no. Le leave him alone. Leave him alone. He has his re Him and Dun yes. and Dem have their reasons for not liking B Priestley. Let them, let, let them, let them cook. Let them cook. Trust me. We've had, trust me, I have had plenty of conversations with these two gentlemen about B Priestley's time and stardom and why they hate her so much to the point that I just, I let him, I just let him rock. I let yeah, him rock. Let him cook. So it is what it is. It's awesome. All right. Next. Next up, we would have the pub rules match between the Brawling Brutes and Tyler Bate taking on them Gallus boys. Sith, how did you feel about this one? Push or bury? With the exception of Joe Coffey taking the pin after his going through his bracket in the NXT Heritage Invitational, this was a wild brawl that delivered everything you would want. The boundaries are endless with this, what these teams bring to the table. Strong big push bordering on mega push. Yeah, definitely a big push for me as well. I mean, I mean, I love the fact that they had all the the all the the implements you would have for a pub, and they used pretty much a lot of them. It was very well done, and I I I, I kind of don't like. I don't I don't like the fact that Gallus seems to be losing a lot of these big matches. I really feel like they either need to win a big match or they need to be. They need to they need to go somewhere else because they're starting to lose their luster in a, in a hurry. Yeah, they are. All right, Ilya Dragunov defended the NXT Championship <sighs> against the North American Champion Dirty Dominic Mysterio, but he, there was a special guest referee for that match, which we forgot to mention was one of the announcements that Cody Rhodes made. And it was none other than L.A. Knight. Yeah, mm -hmm. and he would be a very big factor in this matchup, hitting a BFT on the Jordan Devlin, who tried to interfere. Many of the judgment, they tried to interfere, but it was not enough. The Czar would retain the championship, again, with the help from L.A. Knight. Push or bury our NXT title match? Really good work here match-wise. Ilya works well here with Dom, and we're seeing Dom continue to improve in the ring. As well as have the crowd see, want to see his comeuppance, and also this was good for Dom's development. Give it a big push. Yeah. I got to agree with a big push as well. Even with the uh, attempt to interference in Judgment Day, LA Knight still was able to neutralize that and still render a good decision. And the match-wise was really good. D mm -hmm. Dom having to deal with someone who's a very hard hitter, not somebody who's going to, like, back off or, you know, retreat or anything. So I think it was a great litmus test for Dom uh, in his development as a WWE superstar. Big push yeah. for me. And then finally, our main event, Carmelo Hayes with John Cena in his corner. By the way, John Cena came out during for a segment during the show, and the crowd was singing his song, and he didn't know what to do because he was like, this has never happened before, that they would sing his song. And so he came out for a segment. He was interrupted by Braun Breaker. Uh, we'll have a grade for that in just a moment. But he would then make his way out again to bring out Carmelo Hayes. He would go up against Braun Breaker, who would be accompanied by Paul Heyman. 
uh, he even told people, he's like, when everybody was about to repeat his line, my name is Paul Heyman. He said, your name's not Paul Heyman. My name is Paul Heyman. Uh, then they had the matchup between Melo and Braun with uh, Melo getting the victory. Braun not taking the loss likely. Said he's the only badass in the WWE before he would be really interrupted by The Undertaker <laughs> in full American badass and got chokeslammed by The Undertaker. Pusha Berry, our main event and the aftermath, and Eddie's son was not screwed because we're not calling him Eddie's son. Shut up, Sage. Pusha <laughs> Berry, our main event and the aftermath. <laughs> I was say, we, we need to go get our guy, our brother over here. Anyway, a uh, big push bordering on mega push. Look, this was a really good main event. A step down from what Breaker and Hayes gave us on PLEs at the end of the day. But Chuck, no reference, though, on commentary. DeBron Breaker's dad or uncle. Hey, both guys look solid. And Undertaker, oh my God. Big push bordering on Mega Push. Come on. Nah, fuck all. Nah, fuck all that. This gets my second Mega Push of the They had the tease of, of the Undertaker coming up because they had a gong on one of the the, the the vignettes for NXT. Yeah, but I don't think people really paid attention. I heard it, but I just was like, okay, why are they doing that? Like, I don't get it. But then we would figure it out because after Braun Breaker would complain himself as the lone badass in the WWE, the American badass came out and choke slammed him. Match was really good, but just having that moment in both Braun and Carmelo getting that rub from a WWE Hall of Famer, the caliber of The Undertaker, is enough to give this a mega push. Enough to give it a mega push. All right, grades we have for this come from Kevin Burge of Bleacher Report, ladies and gentlemen. We begin with the announcements of the return of tournaments and the booking of the NXT title match from Cody Rhodes. That opening segment got a B plus. I agree. B plus. It was really good. Pre- Roxanne Perez versus Asuka got a C plus. Uh, I'm sorry. I love you. B minus. Because you okay. know that Hector's going to hear that and freak out because he loves Roxanne. Okay. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, the crazy part about this is that this match fell within the 30 minutes that were commercial-free. Yeah. That's what kills me. It came in the 30 minutes that was commercial-free. You already gave up, I think, 15, 20 minutes for, you know, for that, for that, mat, for, for that opening segment. Mm-hmm. You could have at least given them eight minutes. That yeah. way, you have your eight minutes. You have two minutes of Austin putting over Roxanne Perez. Then you go, and then boom, your 30 minutes of crunch from you, you're done. You go into a commercial, you're good to go. Wouldn't have been perfect. I don't know. Whatever. Mm. Though they did have that, you know, uh, you know, Shotzi with the run-in on, on Keanu James, that kind of crap. It, whatever. Anyway. Pup Rules match. Brawling Brutes and Tyler Bay versus Gallus. That got an A-. minus. Yeah, I agree. A-. minus. That was really, really good. John Cena nearly gives Braun Breaker an attitude adjustment. That got a C. And let me scroll down. I gave it a B. Okay. Yeah. NXT Championship. Ilya Dragunov versus Dirty Don Mysterio with the referee being LA Knight. That got an A minus. Uh B plus, but damn, that was good shit. 
women's breakout tournament match. Lola Vice taking on Danny Palmer. Ooh, that got a D plus. C minus. I'm glad that they're showing improvement, but this was extremely rough around the edges. D for me. This match wasn't it. Carmelo Hayes versus Braun Breaker, our main event, got a B plus. A minus. What? We're going to skip Pillman? What's up with that? <laughs> what? Pillman's, prom- uh, Pillman's promo. That was wild. Yeah, they don't have it listed on here. Oh, they know oh they have it under no they have it in notable moments after the of Vice Palmer match. Quote Pillman's son explained why he was now taking the last name King in WWE, highlighting his hatred of his father's legacy. That's the only mention of that promo. Okay. What would okay, if we did mention Pillman's promo as part of this segment, would you give it a push or a bury? And then what grade would you give it? I'd give it a B plus and a big push because some people will be offended that he's not going to use the name Brian Pillman Jr. But Alexis Key King makes all the sense of the world because he really didn't feel that connected to his dad that much. King being his stepdad, Alexis, short for Alexa, who is his sister. So it makes sense to me. Yeah, I would give it a push. I like the. I, I, I'm. I'm glad that they're giving us an explanation. They, they gave an explanation for yeah. why he's not using Brian Pillman Jr. Lexus, Lexus, which is short for Alexis, not Alexa. Right. Let's not get confused with Alexa Bliss. Uh, but Lexus is short for Alexis, which is his sister, and King is the last name of his stepfather. He explained how. He had, he his father passed when he was just four years old, and I didn't know him and things of that nature. So I think that it's a very it was a great way to introduce him, but introduce him in a different way. So I think I I get it. Uh, finally, in our NXT grades from the show overall from Kevin Burge is quote. What NXT did this week is not sustainable for the brand, but it could be the push needed to get it la- lasting it give to get it lasting attention. Uh, Cody Rose and John Cena put over the gold brand in a big way that should resonate with casual fans. The best match of the night was Ilya Dragunov versus Dominic Mysterio, both NXT regulars these days. It showed why the Mad King is the top guy. Uh, The show also featured solid contests, including Carmelo Hayes versus Braun Breaker and the Brawling Brutes versus Gallus. More importantly, it kept the focus on the future stories of NXT going into Halloween Havoc. The goal was to deliver a, a memorial, a memorable night and bring new eyes to the product. While the final viewership numbers will decide if that was a success, NXT had a very good night by its own standards. And by the way, the numbers came out and it did show that it was a success, <laughs> though Tony Khan shit on it, which is funny. Uh, if the rising NXT can keep this momentum moving, WWE could have a true third brand for the future that can create lasting stars for the next generation, end quote. The overall grade was an A-. minus. Two low points. Lack of time for Oscar Roxanne Perez and Lola Vice Danny Palmer. However, this week was very well done for NXT to try to see what they could get a W against AW as having a main roster elder statesman was a good thing. Was the new talent still in 
the main focus. NXT has really gotten into a good groove recently, last week aside, and it's becoming a good show to watch on a regular basis and not as much as a chore. B-plus is my grade here. It just barely misses out on A-minus because of those two things I mentioned, but this was a really good fucking show. Yeah, and there's now we're gonna talk about AEW Dynamite, which coincidentally enough, it's funny. Usually, I tend to watch AEW first before I watch anything else. Like on Wednesdays, I watch AEW before I even watch uh, before I watched um, anything else. Like before I even watched um, uh, what is it, uh, Master Chef when it, when it's yeah. going on and Food Stars. I will still watch AEW before I watch any of that stuff. This week, I watched NXT before I watched AEW. Right, so let's talk about AEW Title Tuesday. Still don't know why they called it that with only two championships on the line, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, and we begin with the match that would determine a number one contender for the TNT Championship: Brian Danielson against Swerve Strickland. A first-time matchup between these two guys. Push or bury this number one contenders match. Uh, this was a great opening match for the main part of Title Tuesday because you had a match on YouTube. Um, although some people are complaining about the ending, Paige and Strickland's story got a new wrinkle. We got Danielson versus Cage Saturday night. Give it a mega push. Mm. Mm. I'm going. I'm going big push, bordering on a mega push. I really did enjoy the matchup. It was really well done, and I mean, I really am. Swerve Strickland is really showing. Um. What what WWE wasted when it came to him being yeah. on there? I mean, they wasted a lot with Schwartz Strickland, and he's showing it with his performances, not only on the microphone uh, with promos, but also with his in-ring work. Um, he actually did an interview recently where he said that his music and him making music has helped him to get better with promos, which I think is very, very good because you know especially when you're doing rap you got to come up with a lot of similes and metaphors but then you can use that to come up with great promos and stuff like that as well so i give it a big push yeah all right we have ourselves we had ourselves an international title matchup it was originally supposed to be ray phoenix against uh john moxley but earlier that day as we anticipated after it was announced that he was pulled from an indie event two days earlier Moxley wasn't cleared to compete, and therefore Orange Cassidy was then slotted in to take on Ray Phoenix, and then he would turn around and become the first ever two-time international champion, winning the belt off of Ray Phoenix. Push or bury Ray Phoenix versus Orange Cassidy for the international championship? Good move here, match-wise. I know people are going to be upset, but this sets up Mox, Orange Cassidy, too, when Mox gets out for injury. Also, Orange Cassidy elevated the AW. International championships. There you go. I give it a push bordering on big push. Yeah, I'm also giving it a push bordering on a big push. I I've I I think that the the accidental injury to John Moxley has put that championship into such peril that they don't know what to do with it. So they put it on Phoenix. Now they're putting it on Orange Cassidy, who has so had shown like he really missed that belt. But now we're going to most likely see John Moxley get it back when he finally gets cleared from this concussion. Don't know when that's going to happen. Concussions are very hard to predict when you can get over them. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see what happens. But either way, right now, that's where we're at. All right, next up, we would have Hangman Adam Page in one-on-one action against the leader of the Bang Bang Gang, 
the leader of Bullet Club Gold, the number one contender for the world title, Jay White. Uh, they had a bang or a matchup, but it was after the match happened that everybody's talking. Sith, push or bury the match plus what happened afterwards. The match really did two key things. Jay White got a needed W in his feud with MJF and helped more build with the Strickland Page story. But that quarter's line, with everything going on right now, that should have been kept out. I give everything a big push, but that line, even though I know it's a part of the angle, I know MJF wanted it there, the timing was really bad with everything going on. Champ. I'm also giving it a big push. What I'm going to say about that is this. MJF has gone on record on a promo stating how he had quarters thrown to him as a young man mm-hmm. because of his ethnicity, that he's Jewish. And no one batted an eye. No one, no one batted an eye. But the moment that Juice Robinson, who, the moment that Juice Robinson says that he's going to do something that he's already done to several people, take a roll of quarters and hit him with a fist with it, suddenly we're all up in arms. Now, I get it. The timing of this is shit because of what's going on overseas. The timing is shit. But we have to be mindful that if we didn't bat an eye, we didn't raise a stake when, when MJF brought it up. We can't raise a stake when it's brought up again, even in, in the opposite term. We can't. I'm not going to raise a stake. I'm not going to be up in arms about it. Everybody else, y'all do whatever the fuck y'all want. I'm not going to be enough up in arms about it. That's just me. Yeah. That's just me. That's just me. All right. Anyway, AEW Women's World Championship. Soraya defending the championship against Hikaru Shida, in which Shida would become a three only the second person in AEW to win the top championship three times, becoming the first ever AEW Women's World Champion three times. Push or bury this matchup, Sith. As much as I hate the spray paint the spray paint spots, Sheeta kicking out after Soraya spray did spray paint on her face was good for a big pop. I question why Soraya lost here, as honestly, she's getting better despite ring rust and her booking. Well, that falls on a certain individual who thinks he's God's gift to wrestling. Good shit, though. Give it a push. Yeah, I'm giving it a push as well because I like the fact that Timeless Tony Storm got reintroduced yes. to this aspect of why she, uh, her leaving the outcast and becoming timeless, but she still got involved in this one, leading to, uh, you know, Ruby Soho, who was banned from ringside, being chased away from ringside. And leading to the one-on-one encounter, leading to Sheeta eventually getting the victory and becoming a three-time women's world champion. Then our main event would see the debut, AEW in-ring debut of the rated R superstar, the man formerly known as Edge, Adam Copeland, taking on Luchasaurus. It started with Christian Cage being the abs- the, being the absolute biggest dickhead. That you could ever see in wrestling talking shit about the man's wife and kids. Because you know that's the only way he can get heat. He got to go after the family. He can't go after nothing else. He got to go after the family. Which led to Edge coming out there real quick. Didn't even do his interest or nothing. He just said, you think you know me. On this day. But then he would get beaten down a lot. Beaten down. A lot of big spots. But in the end, Adam Copeland would win. And then... 
what happened after was a bunch of chaos. Push or bury our main event plus what happened afterwards. Are you also putting in Cage's promo beforehand or just the match? Yeah, add that. Yeah, add that shit in there too. Give it all a mega push. My God, Christian Cage is absolutely a fucking deck but, but it's fun as hell really building into the match post match is really good set up for danielson cage and i think the blackpool combat club they're anti-heroes but i give it all a mega push oh my god someone someone needs christian cage i swear to god man like he just is the ultimate dickhead heel like the ultimate <laughs> dickhead heel he calls luchasaurus and nick wayne his sons and that he's their father and then he and then he talks shit about having trying to have an intimate having an, a relationship with Beth Phoenix, who he knows Beth Phoenix can bitch press him and throw him around the ring. I think he knows that by now. But I'm giving this my third mega push of the week. I mean, come on now. This was a everything about this from the promo from Cage to the match to afterwards where Cage is put into the LaBelle lock and made the tap out, gave you a foreshadowing that, oh, maybe maybe Brian Danielson can become the TNT champion. We'll find out what happened later. Uh, but Mega Push as well for me. All right, the grades for Dynamite this week come from Eric Beeston of Bleacher Report. Eric. And we begin with the, uh, well, they did, we did have sort of like a, AEW Dynamite Title Tuesday buy-in. Uh, Eddie Kingston and uh, Minoru Suzuki for both the Ring of Honor World Championship and the Strong Openweight Championship for New Japan. Uh, that got a B. I agree, B. It was a missed opportunity not having it on TV. Hey, Tony Khan, are you listening, you little dick? True. Uh, Brian Danielson versus Swerve Strickland. That got an A. Uh, I agree, A. That was a fucking banger. Chris Jericho versus Powerhouse Hobbs got a B plus. A minus. That was really, really good. I've never seen Chris Jericho get his ass beat that much in that way by anybody in his career. And Powerhouse Jericho, Hobbs beat his ass. Jericho did what business needed to get done there. I hope people recognize that. All right, AEW International Championship, Ray Phoenix versus Orange Cassidy. That got a B. B. Wardlow squashes Matt Seidel. That didn't even get a grade. But Hangman Page versus Jay White got a B plus. Uh, B plus for Page, Jay White. A B for Wardlow squash. I mean... I, I want to see more, but I'm liking what they're doing here. They're rebuilding the guy. AEW Women's World Championship. Hikaru Shida versus Soraya. Got a C. I agree. No, C plus, C plus. It was decent, but, you know. Adam Copeland, versus, Adam Copeland versus Luchasaurus. Got a B. Give it an A. Oh, my God. And in the overall grade, quote, this was the tale of two shows with the first hour rank ranking among the best episodes of Dynamite in recent memory and the second half dragging things down a bit. The Danielson Strickland match was great. Hangman Page and Jay White had another quality bout and Cassie versus Phoenix was good for what it was. However, the second half of the show lacked the quality of the first. 
Copeland versus Luchasaurus was fine. Sheeta and Soraya worked with what they had, and the Wardlow squash was mostly unnecessary. If there is one major argument against Tuesday's show, it is that on a night of such major competition from NXT, this felt like a show in which nothing major happened. Unlike NXT, this was a broadcast that stayed the course but did not do an abundance to convince fans to tune in next week. That was the biggest missed opportunity of the night, end quote. Uh, their overall grade was a B. Okay, the first time was really good fucking TV that made this Tuesday night head-to-head show with NXT look like it was going to be something. However, the second hour slips a bit, though, with the Soraya Sheeta match, which was decent but not solid. The three-quarter, the quarters line, eh, that towered on a lot of people. The show seemed overbooked as well. It's a good episode for AEW Dynamite, but the next time you promote Title Tuesday, don't have one on YouTube, then t- two on TV. Have all three on TV with significant time. Dynamite gets a B. I honestly think that that Warlow squash should have been replaced by Suzuki and Eddie Kingston, honestly. I think that's the issue. Oh my God, yeah. That's just me, though. That should have been me. That's just me. That's just me. That was but, a good match. Um, I mean, those guys beat the shit out of each other. All right, now we go to the only show where we won't have Grace of Bleach report. That is Impact Wrestling. And we open mm-hmm. up with Impact with the Impact World Tag Team Championships on the line. Essentially, the winners of this matchup would then be go will go on to face the the ABC at Bound for Glory. ABC cashing in their World Tag Team title opportunity that Chris Bay earned in the Feast or Fired match that happened a couple weeks ago. It would be the Rascals against Sammy Callahan and Rich Swan. This would be most likely Sammy Callahan's uh, second to last, if not last opportunity, last uh, appearance in, a, in, in an Impact ring after his contract expired a, a week and a half ago. Uh, yeah. Nice back and forth matchup, but the Rascals would use their cheating ways to be able to get the win and retain the championships. Push or bury our opening tag team title match, Sith. I give it a push. No one was expecting the Rascals to lose here, the downfall of taping twice a month. But, however, this was a lit match start to finish. Both teams brought the action energy. Give it a push. That push as well. I I, I thought it was good. And again, like with the thought, with the already the reports already out there confirmed by Callahan himself that he yeah. is now a free agent. There was no way that you're going to put the titles on him with him being the um him being out going out the door unless he suddenly resigns. So I don't know. Uh, we would have knockouts. We would have knockouts a- uh, action as Courtney Rush would take on Tasha Steeles. You know, Steeles and Diana Perrazzo have earned themselves a knockouts world tag team title match against uh, against MK Ultra at Battle for Glory. But this was a little bit of a warm up for Tasha Steeles against the former knockouts world tag team champion and world champion mm-hmm. in Co- uh, Courtney Rush. Push or bury. Our, long, our knockouts match of the night. I uh, had two women flanked by two women. They knew the history big time between all the competitors. But competitors, not a terrible match. It's one that you could watch again on, say, a pre-show. Give it a push. Yeah, definitely give it a push as well. Yeah, Tasha Steele's getting the victory, trying to build up momentum for her and Deanna Perrazzo. Uh, heading into their tag title match against MK Ultra. MK Ultra were also watching the matchup, so we know that that's going to be a banger when it comes up. All right, we had ourselves a fatal five-way match. The five individuals who won the 10-person tag match the week prior went at it with the winner 
being with the person who got the winning fall being number 20 and the person who got pinned yeah. made to submit would be the number one entrant and we would get ourselves a surprise <laughs> debut in impact and it's someone that we're all quite familiar with sith the fatal five-way call your shot gauntlet placement match plus the aftermath pusher berry i give it a big push who saw Prudis returning to give Dango a nice boost. Absolutely no one. The former Vladimir Klaslaw, for those who don't know. But, yeah, give it a big push. The, the, the shock value of the former um, Vladimir Kozlov showing up at the end, that alone. And so what's going to happen, y'all, is Jake something will be number one in the gauntlet. Call your shark gauntlet. Dirty Dango will be number 20. Yeah, I think I I also give it a big push because the match was was good for the like the spots that it had, mm -hmm. but just having the former that the 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 artist formerly known as Vladimir Kozlov make a surprise debut <clears> in <throat> Impact and help Dirty Dango now siding with Dirty Dango, I think is very very good. I haven't seen him in so long. I almost didn't recognize him until fucking um a Ray Wall called him by his WWE name and yeah. then um. Phillips, like Tom Hannafin, kept trying to call him by his what his real his actual name was. It was like, okay, I, now I know who this cat is. Cool. All right. Yeah. So I wanted to include this one in here because I thought it was intriguing. There was only like really four matches on the card, so yeah, I wanted to have something a, a fifth uh, consideration here. A couple weeks ago, Kyle. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Taylor Wilde was taken out by a mystery <laughs> assailant. Well, it turns out after a confession during a backstage interview, that person that took him out was none other than her taxi partner, Kylan King. Kylan King's revelation, Pusherberry. Look, so what if Kylan King disposed of Taylor Wilde? She wants to be on her own. I think it's going to work. And no, to AEW, you drop the fucking ball with Kylan King. Give it a push. I, I like the I like it because I mean the coven were so tight and then mm -hmm. suddenly all of a sudden it's like nah fuck this bitch I'm it's all all hail the king I like it I'm giving it a push yes. as well I like it that's my but girl. then we but then we come to our main event oh god the two out of three falls killer impact match between Eddie Edwards and Frankie Kazarian. The first fall was a pinfall, second fall submission, and third fall was a last man standing match. And all three falls were absolutely brutal, with uh, the second fall being the most brutal. Eddie Edwards chopped Kazaria so hard and so much, his chest was bleeding. Yes. Like, brother, if your chest is bleeding after a bunch <laughs> of chops, there's something wrong there, brother. I'm sorry. I can, you, you, like, you chopped me that much that I bleed like that? Nah, brother, we can't. Walter nah, I'm, I'm barely cool. does that. Oh my god, imagine if Walter took those chops. Holy fuck! Yeah, nah. But anyway, it would it would be it would be it would be because it would be Frankie Kazarian that got the second fall after Eddie got the first fall with a quick Boston knee party. Uh, chicken wing in the second fall would be would go to Eddie. I mean, it goes to Kazaria, but then the third was where it got most brutal with them. We even Alicia getting involved, but then she got sent through a table, a blackout through a table, and that would be it. It would be it would be Frankie Kazaria getting the victory. Push or bury our main event killer impact match. 
What keeps it from a mega push is the cookie sheets to the head. Overall, this two out of three falls main event delivered. Give it a big push. Nah, I can't do that to them. I got to give this my fourth mega push of the week. Because each fall told a, told a different story that yeah. still lit was interlocked with the overall story. Even the involvement of Alicia and Frankie originally when he accidentally hit him with a candlestick feeling remorse, but this time he had enough and was like, nah, yeah. fuck this shit. You're out of here. Uh, I think that this was the best. This is one of the best TV main events that Impact has put on in quite a while. And it these two guys really have a lot of credit. I got to give a lot of credit to Kazaria taking all those chops and his chest get busted fucking open and God still keeping on, keeping on, keeping on, and not only keeping on, keeping on, but getting two straight falls to win it. So good on him. I, I, I that nah, couldn't be me, fam. Couldn't be me. You chopped oh, me that many man. times, and I started to, I started to bleed. I'm punching you. I'm giving you a shoot punch, and I'm walking out. That's just me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about SmackDown, the season premiere of SmackDown. Listen, man, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna always have a problem with that. Anyway, yeah. And we opened the show with Cena getting ready to come out, and looks like he was getting ready to celebrate his victory with LA Knight over the Bloodline when our Tribal Chief returned, and our yes. Tribal Chief tried to correct Cena on how to start the show. But then see them, let them know, listen, I'm not going to challenge you for your title because I haven't earned that. But I know who has. And then another pop because it's L.A. Knight. Yeah. yeah. And L.A. Knight has some choice, has some good, has some really good words for our tribal chief for that promo. Push or bury our opening segment. Look, this was a dope opening segment. Yeah. That I'm not calling it what it was called with a bang. Roman has returned, and he is not happy with Jimmy at all. Having L.A. Knight have to stare down Roman was lit. It gets a mega fucking push. Yeah, I'm not even going to waste any time. This gets my fifth mega push of the week. Brother, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody says, bro. Uh, this this is everything. The chemistry with everybody involved was just really, really fantastic, especially L.A. Knight. Like, you can't tell me L.A. Knight ain't ready for the big time here, the way he handled this. Yeah. You can't tell me he ain't ready for it. You know, he let him know what, what whose game it is. But everybody's saying, L.A. Knight, yeah. 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 I, really, I really enjoyed it. I like the part where he said to him, have you pissed your pants yet? Yeah. And, then, and the crowd was like, yeah. Like, you're Roman, <laughs> right? Yeah. I love that. That was awesome. All right. He's turning to the new Stone Cold. Yeah. That All right. We got We got Pretty Deadly finally returning to action after Elton Prince's injured sh uh, shoulder injury, in which Michael Cole took the piss out of him by saying, hey, he hurt his shoulder. He was in a wheelchair for months. What was that all about? Uh, it would be them taking on the brawling brutes a rematch from the match that caught where the injury happened. Push a berry. 
Ah, yes, boys. Prince is back, and so is, so is Pretty Deadly. Give it a push bordering on a big push. It was an effective way to bring back Pretty Deadly after Prince's shoulder injury. And I love how he just took the piss out of people and came in a wheelchair. Absolutely. I thought this was, this was great. Uh, the Elton Strong and all that other stuff. Great stuff. Awesome. Give it a push. Yeah. All right. We had Triple H was said to be making a big announcement on SmackDown, and he would make that big announcement, announcing the return of general managers to WWE. Yay! With Adam Pierce being named the Raw GM, and, and then Dirty Dom interrupting, and they booed the hell out of him. I mean, they booed the hell out of him before they finally announced that Nick Aldis is the SmackDown general manager. Push or bury this segment. Hey, Dom, don't cross Nick Aldis again, okay? Hmm? Okay? Solid work by WWE to pull out two really good swerves here, moving Pierce to Raw, Nick Aldis to SmackDown, two really good dynamics, subverting expectations when KO on SmackDown, thus breaking up his tag team with Sammy, so you don't get the usual trope with KO turning on Sammy. Give it all a mega push. Come on. I'm still not convinced they're I'm still not convinced they're not piping in those booze because that shit is like ultra loud. Triple H claimed that they're not piping them in, but you know, he's gonna he's gonna toe the company line. I'm still not convinced they're not they're not piped in. I'm I'm not convinced. Anyway, I'm I it got close to a mega push. It really did. It's just that I think that they're overusing this whole Dom getting drowned out by the crowd thing. And Dom needs to be able to adjust to that or be able to work, you know, add to it and not just sit there and silent or just be like stat stammering or something like that. That's I'm kind of over that now. You know, he, this has been going on for months now, and yet you still haven't found a way to overcome that. I don't know. Uh, I'm giving this a big push bordering on a mega push only because I want to see Dom take that situation where he's getting drowned out by booze mm -hmm. and still being able to work, uh, at, you know, be able to work on the microphone. Don Callis is, is a prime example of how to do that. He's shown yes. that recently in AEW. Watch any of his promos since he turned on Kenny, Kenny fucking Omega, and you'll see a guy that even if he's getting drowned out by booze can still work a crowd and still work a mic. Got to learn. All right. Cody Rose issued an open challenge for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship with him and Jay Uso, and it was answered by none other than A-Town Down Under, Grayson Waller, and Austin Theory. Push or bury this title match? He come from the London Under. Fun tag team match with a predictable outcome, but you also have to love the scum dog heel feel of Theory and Wallard working together. Cody and Jay retain in a hot tag team match. Post-match stare down, Earl saying, hey, lads, this is not happening tonight. Great shit. Give it all a mega push. So, you know what's funny? And I'm pretty sure people will harken back to this. We said earlier on at the start of this segment, at the start of yeah. the week in review, that I said that I'm more of the uh, of the pragmatic type, and this man is more liberal with using a shovel. Yet he's given a bunch of mega pushes this week. I think more than me, honestly. Yeah. This is this is also not going to get a mega push. Nothing against them. It just didn't really jump out there to me as something that I will go back and watch again. 
Um, right. But I really like the, t- the team of A-Town Down Under because they're both arrogant assholes. Uh, and are. I think that they work together. So, But I give it a, a big push, bordering on a mega push. And then finally, our main event, Sola Sikoa, the Enforcer of the Bloodline, taking on L.A. Knight. Yeah. Push or bury our main event. Big, bordering on mega. This was great to establish LA Knight as a viable threat to the bloodline. And what better way to do it than a main event match against the Luca Brasi of Mob Boss Roman Solo Sikoa? I'm giving this a big push as well. Another rare title, another rare loss in a match by Solo Sikoa, but a lot of it was attributed to Jay Uso's uh, interference in this, which didn't work out. Cena got involved, and I mean, LA Knight, they are really, LA Knight, they're really pushing him, really, really pushing him. I really, yeah. really think that, you know, I don't think that he's going to be the one to dethrone Roman, but this is a really good, this is really good what they're doing with him. All right. The grades for Bleacher Report. They come from Eric Beeston of Bleacher Report. Eric, what do you got for us? Okay. John Cena kicked off the show. That got an A. Solid A. The Brawling Brutes versus Pretty Deadly. That got a C C plus. I give it a B. Zelina Vega versus Bailey. That got a C plus. C plus. It needed more time. Triple H's big announcement. That got an A. A plus. Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso versus A Town Down Under. That got an A. A. L.A. Knight versus Solo Sikoa. That got a B. A minus. And in the overall grade, quote, SmackDown was billed as a season premiere episode, and it did not disappoint, introducing new feuds, stars, and rivalries that will dominate the brand for the foreseeable future. The arrival of Nick Aldis will be interesting to see, and the history he has with Cody Rose could very well be the twist the creative team needs to bring to bring the American Nightmare and Roman Reigns back together. Kevin Owens returning to SmackDown is a great move if there is a legitimate creative plan for him. Look at what Cam brought up earlier, huh? Otherwise, he is essentially filling the Seamus role as the grizzled veteran who can float in and out of progress without actually being given much to do. On a night where much was expected, WWE delivered and created buzz for the next few months of television. How it capitalizes on it will be the real question, end quote. His final grade was an A. I usually don't like the term of season premiere where it comes to pro wrestling or sports to that coin, mainly because you have that thrown around for network shows during the new season for regular programming. That all said, this was a wild and fun episode of SmackDown, when the only low point is a women's match that had implications for next week with the post-match. You know you've hit a good strike. SmackDown gets an A-minus this week. Yeah, I like, I like it. I like it. All right. 
let's keep it going. Let's talk about Rampage that happened on Friday night as, as well. And we started off by talking about uh, the uh, the team formerly known as the Jericho Appreciation Society, Daddy Magic, Matt Menard, Cool Hand Ange, Angelo Parker, and Daniel Garcia taking on the Hardy Boys and Brother Zay. Pusha Berry, our opening six-man tag team match. No to AEW. I get that Rampage is usually taped on Wednesday nights and the intros are online. I dig that. But having the match start already in progress before the show airs, trash. Oh, I thought that, that was, was just me that that happened to. No, no. Several people that I follow said that five to, this match started five to six minutes before the show even went live. Okay, because I was I thought my DVR was fucked because I when no. I started my DVR they had already they was already in the match and they were already getting ready to go to a commercial break and I'm like wait the fuck happened like where did the rest of the match go like yeah. what oh but don't you know we're too busy on Twitter foaming at the mouth and we are watching our own goddamn product I give it a push but you got to be okay with that you got to do better. Yeah, no, I, I I gotta give it a push as well. That was weird. That and then, mm. that's not the only production full part that they had this weekend. We'll talk about it when it comes to uh, collision in a minute. Yeah. But, well, at least I'll bring it up. But yeah, next up, Jay Lethal had one on one match. Had a one on one match. He took on uh, none other than Jay Lethal. The uh, Trip Beretta, Pusher Berry. Love a match that tells a compelling story, builds with a solid arc and said story arc. Both guys look good. Give it a big push. Yeah, I I gotta give this a big push as well. This is a really, really, really enjoyable uh matchup here. And uh Jay Lethal's just timeless when it comes to his wrestling acumen. I gotta say, he's just timeless, and I really enjoyed it. All right. I wanted to add this in here because I thought it was very interesting, but that confrontation that Santana and Ortiz had uh, backstage to finally be able to set up whatever their match is going to happen. Mm -hmm. I wanted your thoughts on that. Push or Barry? Um, good shit. It helps elaborate with Santana and Ortiz as to what the program's going to be about. Give it a push. Even though it seemed like they just didn't know what to say to each other, but you could tell that the animosity is real. It's not just storyline. It's a real animosity. I'm giving this a push as well because, again, you could tell that the animosity is real. Uh, Sky Blue, who continues to show some kind of transformation after being sprayed in the eyes with the mist, she yeah. went up against Emi Sakura. Push or bury. Effective matches, it looks like Blue is headed to the dark side, and why not at this point? The problem I have here, short match time, but hey, can't have eight-minute matches for everyone on a one-hour show. Give it a push. Yeah, push as well. And yeah, it definitely does seem like Sky Blue is about to go from that bubbly personality to that dark personality, mm -hmm. which is what happened to Julia Hart. And I mean, Julia Hart is currently off uh, enjoying her honeymoon yeah. after marrying her fiance. So, I mean, maybe she, you know, maybe, 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 maybe Sky Blue become goes to the dark side, but doesn't even join the House of Black. Who knows? There's ways you can go with that. And then our main event saw Wheelie Yuta and Claudio Castagnoli of the Blackpool Combat Club take on the Gates of Agony, Push or Barry, our tag team main event. 
A good main event, although it feels like with Moxley injured and Danielson doing his bucket list, the BCC is in a bit of a transitory state for now. Both teams look good, and both teams do deserve a rump card. Give it a push, bordering on the big push. There was a part, there was a point in the matchup earlier on where Wheeler Yuta was outside, and I think it was Toa, Toa Leone. It was one of them Bamas came running around the corner yeah. and just absolutely depleted Wheeler Yuta. I had to replay that again because I was just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. But I'm giving this a push as well. Solid main event, uh, Blackpool Combat Club getting a victory. So it'll be interesting to see if the Blackpool Combat Club, once they get Mox back, and then Danielson kind of shifts back to that if they go after the mogul embassy at, at some point. Um, all right, the grades for Rampage this week, excuse me, come to us from Doc Chris Mueller. Doc. The artist, formerly known as the JAS versus the Hardys and Brother Zay, got a C. Plus. I agree, C. Plus. Jay Lethal versus Trip Beretta. Got a B plus. B plus. Good shit. I like the observation that Doc Chris has in here during the during that matchup. Tony Schiavone called Karen an evil bitch. His voice was so serious when he said it, which made it ten times funnier. Like he really did call her an evil bitch, though. Yeah. Bro. Like out of nowhere. Like she's such an evil bitch, man. I'm like, okay, all right. Sky Blue versus Emmy Sakura got a B minus. Yeah, C plus. Then the Gates of Agony versus the Blackpool Combat Club got to be. B. Agreed. And the final word from Dr. Mueller is as follows. Quote, this week's Rampage was a decent hour of wrestling, but it also didn't feel like necessary viewing for any of the ongoing storylines in AEW. Beretta and Lethal had the match of the night, but all four bouts provided some good entertainment. Only having an hour has its pros and cons, so it's hard to make an episode of this show feel special without a huge surprise. Blue showing a little more aggression and wearing darker makeup could be a sign of an impending heel turn, but it's not a guarantee. She is still acting like a babyface, so time will tell. If you just want to watch an hour of solid wrestling, then this week's show is worth checking out. Otherwise, you can get you can get by with YouTube highlights and social media posts. End quote. Final grade was a C. Okay, so AEW had a fuck up this week that will serve as a lesson. You can head out to the opening match, starting a show with the introductions online, but you can't go into the match joined in progress as your opener. Overall, though, it was a serviceable show for Rampage this week, and I would go back to watch Lethal versus Beretta in the main event. I like the progression of Sky Blue as well. C+. Plus. Yeah, absolutely. And then, all right, time for Collision. Saturday night's a rifle fight, and let's get to it. Let's get right into it. All right. Our, uh, our opening segment had a lot, a lot, a lot going no. on. In this one, Adam Copeland came out. He wanted to talk to Christian Cage. Christian Cage comes out with a whole bunch of security. He talks shit. This, that, and third. Daniel Bryan that comes out, talks his shit. Then the tag champs come out, talk their shit. And, it, it, and then FCR come out, talk this shit. And then it was like this big old fight with one of the uh, the security guards locked in the label lock. Yeah. It was a lot. So, Pusha Berry, 
this was a good opening segment, but with so many revolving parts to it that it was in a word unfocused. Not a terrible segment. It was really well done, but you had layer after layer being told. So hopefully in time, all of this will shake out. Give it a push. Yeah, there was too much going on in that opening segment. Like I sat there, it was just like, okay, I, I get it. You have a you have like 15 million storylines all in here in this one ring. And you, which one am I supposed to fucking focus on? I'm giving this yeah. a push because it was pretty, it was entertaining, but it was just too fucking much. Anyway, we will have an RH World Television title match. Uh Willie Mack, who we've known from Impact Fame, taking on and challenging the champion Samoa Joe, Pusher Barry. Now, this brought things up quickly. Two beefy men going at it and just putting on a good heart match. We know what Joe is capable of, and people not knowing who Willie Mack is, they found out that dude can fucking wrestle. Big push. Yep, definitely a big push for me as well. Willie Mack showing why he's one of the best big men in, in wrestling, not only because he can fight like a big man, but he's also agile like a cruiserweight, which is amazing. So definitely give it a big push. Oh, uh, we get a rare rare Fallen Angel sighting. Christopher Daniels was in action. He took on none other than not. He's not known as Rock Hard anymore. Thank God. He's now known as a stray bullet, Juice Robinson. <laughs> push or bury Daniels versus Robinson. I'm giving it a push. Look, the match was good. And honestly, the minimum minimal interference from the Bullet Club Gold was really a good thing as they weren't as involved as they could have been. Good shit and good pacing. Yeah, I'm giving it a push as well. I really like this one. And then, of course, after the matchup, Juice Robinson grabbed the mm -hmm. roll of quarters and socked fucking Christopher Daniels upside the head with him and told him that, hey, I've been I've been knocking fools out with that left hand without anything in it for a long time. I can still do it without it. I was like, okay, you got it. Yeah. All right, we will have ourselves an AEW TBS championship matchup. Sky Blue, who's continuing to wear darker and darker makeup i think there is a heel turn coming she took on chris statlander and chris statlander put on another fantastic performance defeating sky blue and afterwards trying to shake sky blue's hand sky blue wasn't having it but willow nightingale came out and consoled sky blue their friends maybe maybe just maybe as it was mentioned in the re in the rampage recap that maybe just maybe it may, may not be a, a heel turn because of Willow Nightingale, or maybe Sky Blue turns on Willow Nightingale to complete the heel turn. We'll see. We'll see. Pusha Berry, our TBS championship match. Really good match here, and it showed depth in both women who are two women that come out of the AEW system. I think Sky Blue is turning heel, but just like they did with Julia Hart, it's going to be a slow burn to get to that heel turn. Big push. I'm I'm giving this uh, a a big push as well. I really enjoyed the matchup. I mean, after the 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 really good performance he put on at Russell Jane with Julia Hart, uh, another really good matchup again. I just I just really see that you know Chris Statlander's really coming to her own since becoming the TBS champion. Uh, and then our main event for the TNT Championship: Christian Cage defending against Brian Danielson. And then a whole lot of shit happened afterwards. Pusha Barry. A uh, hot main event that had solid storytelling, chemistry, and loved something good at the end of the match as well. Overall, fun main event, big push bordering on Mega. 
I'm giving it a big push as well. I really, really like this matchup. This is one of this is one of those moment-making matches for Christian Cage. This man is near 50. He had seven years on the shelf due to concussions. Came yes. back in 2021, has been with AEW, and now is having these kind of matches. Same thing with Danielson, who's had had time off due to injury, who's coming back, and they're just putting on bangers. Yeah, they're putting on bangers. Yes. This was a banger, but I think that the the aftermath kind of brings it down to a big push for me because it was just a lot going on. Because once again, you're taking the elements from the opening segment and inserting them into there, and you're inserting a bunch of different storylines into this match. And it's like, okay, like I, I, whatever. Yeah, you know, whatever. So, all right, the grades for this week's episode of Collision come to us from our good friend Doc Chris Miller. Mueller. Duke. The opening segment, and then Willie Mack versus Samoa Joe. The opening segment gotta be B minus for the opening segment. What about what did you give the match? The match gotta be as well. I give the match a B plus. Christopher Daniels versus Juice Robinson. Got a C plus. B minus. Kyle Fletcher versus Boulder. Got a C. C plus. Chris Statlander versus Sky Blue TBS Championship. That got a B plus. B plus, I agree. And then... Keith Lee in a quick squash match against Turbo Floyd. Incomplete grade. C plus. Hopefully they go some more with Keith Lee now. And then Brian Danielson versus Christian Cage for the TNT Championship. Got an A minus. I agree, A minus. And then the final word from Doc Cruz is as follows. Quote, this week's collision was bookended by segments that included Cage, Copeland, Danielson, Wayne, Luchasaurus, FTR, Starks, and Big Bill. With the opening segment lasting nearly 20 minutes and a main event having almost 30, nearly half of this week's show was devoted to featuring these men. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Between those two segments, the best thing we saw this week was Statlander's TBS title defense against Blue. Both women made sure they got the crowd invested in their performance, and the possibility of a heel turn for Blue has made her character a lot more interesting. Samoa Joe and Mac had a good showing, but it was just another, it was just another and a long list of examples of Ring of Honor titles being defended on AEW TV instead of Ring of Honor's weekly show. This week's episode of Collision was a brisk two hours, but there were definitely a couple of segments along the way that felt like filler. End quote. His final grade was a B plus. Okay, silent showing for Collision this week, and there's a lot to like here. The show opened up high, although very unfocused. You had really good character development for a sky blue heel turn. Danielson versus Cage was a fun main event. We got to see Kyle Fletcher in singles action as well. Like all shows that involve pro wrestling, there's some filler, but at least to keep the flow going. Collision this week, B+. 
Indeed. I, I, I got to agree with that. All right. That, that's it for this week's Week in Review. We appreciate you all listening to that. And again, when we have our podcast later this week, it will be an abbreviated version depending on what day we record. If we record on Friday, it will be up until Impact, which is the go-home show to Bound for Glory. If we record Saturday afternoon, it will be up to Rampage with an inclusion of the um, – go home show for impact but either way the go home show for impact will be part of the review next week now it is time for final thoughts uh the part of the show we give our thoughts on things wrestling related or non-wrestling related and plug up our coming podcast so as always we begin with the sith himself sith the floor is yours thank you sir hope everyone's had a good time listening welcome to final thoughts okay so recently i was attacked online as anti-christian as well as anti-woke because of my take on the exorcist believer, and all I have to say is the following. What the fuck is wrong with people? You know, and why do they feel the need to beat people over the head with their beliefs where it comes to a movie, for God's sake? In my youth, it was cool and a good thing to have a social message in your film, like do the right thing, full of really good social messaging and commentary. But it wasn't meant to beat you over the head and make you feel guilty for not liking said movie at all. Sure, at the Oscars, Tonys, Grammys, etc., the Emmys, um, we were given lectures right and left by award winners as the talent and production people would go up and lecture people. But fuck me, this is really getting overboard here. My issues with Exorcist Believer has nothing to do with politics or religion. It's a much bigger issue. See, my friends, when I watched this film, I walked in with an open mind because this franchise has been extremely hit or miss. Longtime listeners of The Basement know that I love the first and third films, totally despise Exorcist II, The Heretic. The prequels are decent, but nowhere as good as the original and third film. My issues begin with Universal Pictures and Blumhouse as well. Because Universal spent $400 million for the franchise rights to The Exorcist. And what they came out with via David Gordon Green is nothing more than a corporate movie. Not one that gives a good nod to the classic from 1973. On the bright side, it retcons everything after the first film, including the prequels, but the filmmakers really took a dump on the tone, and overall, the film was a swing and a miss, two out of five film at the end of the day, in my opinion. It's a lot like other films that I've seen over the last 20 years or so. It's not the concept of the film, it's the execution of it, to say the least. Is this film the worst film ever made? Hell, motherfucker, no, it's not. But is it the second coming of the greatness that that was The Exorcist? No, it's not. However, you get these people who come out looking for something to attack critics of a film because we don't see it as the greatest thing since sliced bread. This backlash is exactly what I feared would happen because some of the same themes from the Blumhouse trilogy of Halloween was used here, and the Blumhouse fans are literally coming out to defend these films, but also try to be toxic with people who find faults within the film. Bottom line, stop whining because I didn't like The Exorcist Believer. 
that I didn't think it was the greatest thing in the world. And that I'm fucking, and you think I'm a fucking ignorant twat because God forbid I have a different opinion. There's nothing wrong with disagreements with film, music, pro wrestling, etc. Just keep the toxic bullshit out of it. And that, my friends, is my final thought. Now on Spotify, my 40 films that are October viewing essentials. That's Sis Basement on Spotify. That also champ. I yield the floor. Right now, <clears throat> there are atrocities being being committed in Israel by a terrorist group known as Hamas. Women and children, babies, being held hostage, murdered. And for who or for what? Why? Who cares why? Who cares for what? It's wrong. But you couldn't tell that people care about that online because all people seem to want to care about is this whole bullshit with Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith. All people want to focus on and share online is the continued emasceration of a black man in America and the continued bastardization of a black woman in America. Because guess what? Whether y'all like it or not, and I'm going to be very controversial with this and I don't give a fuck because no one listens to this podcast anyway. This country is still racist towards black people. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm fucking wrong because I'm not. Because social media show is showing me this. That they are making it so blatant, putting it out there, this, the problems with these two African-American individuals to the point that even our own people are getting involved in it blindly. Because it's supposed to be funny. It's trauma. It's entertaining. No, it's not. What is going on with Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith? Their personal drama is not entertainment. I don't understand how there are babies being murdered in a country that is an ally of ours, and we could care less about that, all because Jada said, oh, we've been separated for years. Or, oh, I've had this crush on Tupac. I should, Tupac asked me to marry him. I don't care. I don't care. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Because now this black man who has given his life to entertaining people is being stripped of his dignity and no one gives a fuck. And this woman is putting, is putting all this shit out there and no one's calling her out on her bullshit while some are calling her out on her bullshit and, bast and bastardizing this. Others just think this is the most funniest shit in the world. As a black man, I am so hurt to see Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith shit out here so prominent over what is going on overseas that is far more atrocious. I'm just sitting here thinking about what if it was my son? What if it was my son that was one of the victims in Israel? But yet all people care about is Jada and Will. Why are there not more people like me right now emotional and angry about what's going on in Israel? Why does everybody care about some about celebrities drama? Why are nobody caring about what's going on there? I have Jewish friends. 
What if it was one of them? This is why I stay off of social media. Because I already have mental health issues with bipolar disorder, anxiety. I already have those issues. But then I go on social media and I, all I see is this. Uh, all I see is Jada this, Will that. But I don't see anybody having any outrage over the fact that innocent people are dying. Not just Israelites, but Americans too. And no one cares. Why do you not care? Explain that to me. Why do you? Why don't you care? I just want to know, everybody who's just posting memes of this Will and Jada thing, why don't you care about innocent people being killed in Israel? Why? Why do you not care? I just want to know. I just want to know. That's all. If you could give me a logical reason why you don't care about that, but you care more about Will and Jada's drama, I would like to know so I can disconnect myself from you and never speak to you ever again. That's my final thought. I'm done because I can't deal with it anymore. All That's all I see on Instagram. That's all I see on Facebook. That's why I don't like to peruse those apps because I see crap like that all the time. But I don't see anybody showing a lot of outrage over what's going on overseas. I can't do it anymore. I'm done with it. This is definitely my final thought. <sighs> okay. Now that I got that off my chest... Join me tomorrow night, Monday night, for Sports on the Hill podcast with Robbie G, where we will be talking about the season opening for the Washington Capitals. We will be also making some mentions of the Wizards' preseason schedules, which they've already played a couple of preseason games. We will also talk about the Commanders' win over the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta today, with that segment coming on in the second hour, with Caps Talk being in the first hour. We will also talk about all things uh, NFL around the league as well. Plus, Tim will mo plus we will most likely talk about the Orioles who failed to get out of the first round after winning over a hundred games this season. They got swept out of the ALDS. We will most likely commiserate about that, but also be rejoiced in the Ravens' victory as well. All of that starting at 9 p.m. Eastern on Monday, streaming live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash G underscore sports O-T-H-P. It will also stream live on the Sports on the Hill Facebook page as well. Okay. My bad, I had to get that off. I had to get my shit off. <laughs> I've been thinking about that hey. shit all day. And I said, nah, I, I have no other final thoughts but that. Yeah. I had to get my shit off. And it's like what I'm saying. People would rather joke about mental illness instead of, you know, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm just saying, man. Like, I, I just... I, I kept seeing it and I kept seeing it and I was just like, you know what? I, I have to get my shit off. Um, especially because um, a good a, a former boss of mine, uh, his wife, who used to be the spokesperson for the State Department during the Trump administration, uh, shared a video because she made a she still makes appearances on the Fox shows. Um, yeah. but she made an appearance and she was talking with someone who was a victim who had, who had family that were victimized by the Hamas, uh, attacks. And she literally was trying, she literally was trying to hold it together, talking to this gentleman and she couldn't. Mm -hmm. and, she, I, and, and that resonated with me one, because she actually helped me to find a job outside of the government way back in 2006 before she got into politics. 
Uh, so I oh, she so I still you know am indebted to her for getting me out of the government and into the private sector, thereby avoiding having to deal with those uh, shutdowns and all the other stuff and everything like that. But I um, but yeah, I you know seeing that it just really did something to me to make me realize like we need to be caring about this because this is serious. It's not just Jewish people being attacked held yeah. hostage and killed it's americans americans are victims mm-hmm. in this too you know yeah. we gotta we got we gotta something somebody's gotta care you know somebody's gotta care oh by the way robbie had to bring this up but by the right now we're one and two in big hurts pick em league right now through six weeks yep it's you and me you Ow. and me big boy you and me <sighs> big boy uh let me see uh, and also, Robbie wanted to thank us, thank me for bringing awareness to the, these issues. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I know that, you know, I don't, I don't like to talk politics on my podcast as well. And I'm going to wrap this up. Trust me, because uh, we've already <laughs> passed the, the the threshold at this point. It's just like whatever. I'm gonna eat, I'm gonna eat a piece of pizza and do what I got to do with this podcast. But anyway, I we try not to bring politics to this, though. Sometimes Sif will for his final thoughts, and it is what it is. But I, you know, I'm not a guy who gets into politics much. I just, I'm just, I just don't have the stomach for it. I just don't have the mental space, headspace for it. So I don't get into politics because just watching it, it would just bring me into a dark place. And I can't be in a dark place right now with everything going on in my life right now. I can't afford to be in a dark place. I really can. Otherwise, if I'm in a dark place, I'm just, I'm just done. I'm just done. Anyway. All right, so if you enjoyed this podcast, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you check us out on social media, facebook.com slash nospotspod, twitch.tv slash truenospotspod, twitter.com. I still don't call it X, twitter.com slash truenospotspod, and tiktok.com slash at truenospotspod. Make sure you check out Dan, the, the, the Dark Lord Sith, on Twitter and on TikTok. At True Sif Dan 74. I'm telling you, you gotta check him out. And of course, make sure you do follow Robbie G on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Robbie G underscore sports OTHP. You will be seeing me on the show consistently for the next several months with Commanders Talk. Wizards talk and defenders talk as well, and also we do do a, a little small mini segment where Robbie does get a catch up on what's going on with wrestling. So make sure you you tune in and check us out. Yeah. All right, yeah. Sit. Final words, please. Uh, yeah. See y'all this coming weekend on TikTok tomorrow. If I feel up to, I'm getting my flu shot tomorrow morning. My take on. Exorcist actually did, had a pretty, pretty decent weekend hold, but it still hasn't broken even. I'll explain why tomorrow morning. And my final words is that um, after Cyberpunk released its uh, new expansion pack, which was uh, a sponsor of WWE recently, I have gone back to watch not only the original gameplay, but the uh, expansion pack gameplay. And it is such a fucked up game, but it's so entertaining to watch. Anyway, thank you for listening. For our audio listeners, we appreciate it. And we will see you guys next time. Peace out. Have a good one.
Hey guys, it's Champ here. We hope you enjoyed that episode of No Spots Podcast. If you did, make sure you are following us so you can be notified when we upload new episodes. And make sure you follow us on all social media platforms, facebook.com slash nospotspod, as well as on Twitter, at truenospotspod. We will catch you on the next episode. Myself, Donnie Wrestling, and The Sith for the No Spots Podcast on the True Radio Network.